Hello, hello, welcome, bollockers, welcome one, welcome all. It's time for another episode of Talking Bollocks. Deliveroo, Chinese, Burger King, no carbs before mobs, whatever the fuck all that's about, eh? Some of that made a sense, some of it didn't, you know, whatever. That advert's just annoying me at the moment. Yeah, it's an advert in the UK, if you didn't understand what was going on about there. And if this is in the future, you probably, you've probably never even seen that advert. So there you go. What a great start this was. Hello, welcome to Talking Bollocks. I'm your host, Howard H. Smith, and I am here to ruin your next hour and a half, two hours, three hours, however long this motherfucker runs. That's right, there's swearing. Cunt, cunt, cunt. There's loads of it. So, it's a podcast after all. First up, I'm going to start with a podcast offer, okay? This is a genuine offer. Go to beer52.com forward slash the square ball, okay? That is beer, then the number's 52 dot com forward slash the square ball. Now, this is courtesy of not Beer 52, but courtesy of a podcast I listen to called The Square Ball, which is a Leeds United podcast, and it's very good. And um, they've got this offer on at the moment, and I've gone and done it. And basically, you get a case of beer, either dark beer or light beer. Um, I think I got six bottles and four cans. Um, it's and, and a magazine and a bag of pork scratchings. Yes, that's right. All in a box, all delivered to me. Should be twenty nine ninety five plus five pound postage. You just pay postage, four ninety five postage. That's all you do. The only thing is that that means you're then subscribed, and the only way of cancelling is ringing them up. Hey, how fucking old school is that? You've got to ring them. So I've got to ring them up next week and say, yeah, it was just after the free beer. You can uh, you can cancel that. But anyway, just thought I'd throw it out there. Beer five two dot com forward slash the square ball case of beer for a fiver can't go wrong you just got to ring them up and then cancel so anywho this is a, this is a, a an even more than usual all over the map start to the show but what a show we have in store we just me um that i have in store for you so what's been going on in the world of metal in the last month well one of the major stories um is how much of a cock is Rob Flynn? And um, uh, the, the opinion seems divided. A sim, uh, opinion seems to be divided into um, uh, three camps. That's um, he's a cock, um, he's a massive cock, or he's an absolutely fucking gigantic cock. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, there's just no way of defending the man's um, behaviour over the past month. Um, getting all upset that people didn't like his new song, Do or Die, hey, in which he says, die, motherfucker, die, motherfucker, die, a lot. Um, and it's, funnily enough, speaking as somebody who's, be, who's just released an album who's re- re- accused of um, uh, being uh, somewhat out of date, with um, out of touch with modern society, which I find hilarious, but there you go. In other words, some millennials didn't like the title, The Age of Entitlement, and have taken it, me, thinking that it means old men hate millennials and, and Twitter and stuff, and obviously that's not the case. However... Rob Flynn clearly is that man. I mean, here we go. And if I hear one more fucking internet twat hole moaning about cringeworthy lyrics while they sit in front of their computers, stroking their little fucking boners to lyrical geniuses that is fucking baby metal, got to agree with him, eat a bowl of cock, 
because the second Pantera's Walk comes on with such lyrical Edgar Allan Poe-esque ma- um, masterpieces like Run Your Mouth When I'm Not Around It's Easy to Achieve and Walk on Homeboy or Lamb of God's This Is a Motherfucking Invitation, these same fucking brain donors run right onto the dance floor and start headbanging, and rightly so. Not quite sure what your point is there, Rob, but ultimately I think what he's trying to claim is that his lyrics aren't that bad and the reason he's claiming that is because he wrote them. That's pretty much it. He's um, he's he also um, slagged off the band Dope that the lyrics were supposedly ripped from, and um, he's then had to fucking uh, he's then had to um, start handing out apologies on that score as well. Um, so anyway, he said, explain that. Never said that the new Machine Head song was derivative of Dope's Die, Motherfucker, Die. I don't own the phrase Die, Motherfucker, Die, he wrote. It's commonly used arrangement of ignorant words that will continue to be recycled for years to come. That was um, the dude from Dope, who, incidentally, is also singing in Static X at the moment with a mask on, pretending to be somebody who's dead. Could this story get any weirder? I don't think it could, could it? So anyway, uh, Flynn responded to Dope's comment saying... Um, uh, Hey, it'd be great to see you guys on any Machine Head show coming up anywhere in the world. Come and hang out. Even come up and sing the Do or Die with us. Hey, Edsel, saw your response. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's just... God, nothing against dope at all. Didn't sound like it. It was completely slagging him off. Not trying to sound like a douche here. Pretty... Bit late for that, Rob, really. That ship sailed some time ago. Sank and was re- and was taken into dry dock. The boat was repaired. It was put back out on the ocean and it fucking sailed again, you knobhead. But I literally didn't know that you guys were a band anymore. So when your fans started spamming our Facebook... Well, maybe you didn't... F- you shouldn't just fucking automatically assume they weren't a band and start having a go. Anyway, fuck me. Rob Flynn is an absolute dick-steaming cock. He really is an idiot. And that's all there is to it. And I don't know why I'm spending so much time on this, but there you go. Anywho, back to some old favourites. Kisses Gene Simmons says the end of the road tour will last another two years. Well, (laughs) is anyone else out there just so over the fucking whole... Me saying, is anybody else out there so over the whole kiss thing? No one here is... No one listening to this is like... You're either bang into it and think it's fucking awesome... Um, or you thought it was shit to begin with and you weren't really bothered. So that's, that's, that's the only thing that I can assume because, well, it is an assumption. I will, I will add that. But surely that is pretty much the way it goes. Pretty much the way it goes. Um, so there's some great old stories all, um, uh, uh, doing the, doing the one round. Uh, here we go. We've also got Skid Rose. Rachel Boland rules out reunion with Sebastian Bach. Certain members of the band didn't get along from day one. So there you go. That continues to be not happening and continues to be godless being wrong. And my, I'm going to have to basically call it, cash in my debt. My debt? His debt. The bet. Whatever it is, get the fucking money off him. This isn't making any sense at all, is it? Um, Wendy Dio says, Big Gala is being planned to commemorate the 10th anniversary of Ronnie James Dio's death. Well, knowing Wendy, I wonder if... Who would be? Who's going to be guest of honor? Who's going to play a short, short set? Hey, at Ronnie's uh, the tenth anniversary of it, to commemorate, commemorate the tenth anniversary of Ronnie Dio's death. Who's going to perform? I would imagine it'll probably be Ronnie Dio, won't it? Hey, it'll be three D Ronnie Dio. How many times can you change? Uh, how many times can you change the eyes on the face of your husband's dead face? I can't remember what the phrase was, but how many times can you change the face of your des dead husband's 
um, hologram to make it more real, more like him. It, it just it it defies any kind of sense. It really does. So anyway, yes, tenth anniversary um, of Ronnie's passing. Um, it's going to take. Here we, here we go. Let's uh, let's get the notes right. It's going to it's going to be it's going to be amazing. Um, we're going to do it at the Wilton in Hollywood, and we'll have lots of surprises. Hopefully, not a surprise appearance by Roddy, Ronnie's hologram. Fucking please. Actually, we'll post it on the on our website really soon. So save the dates. Everyone should save the dates. We've got a lot of celebra- celebra- uh, We've got a lot of celebrities coming, and it's going to be a fun time. And tickets are just going to be twenty five dollars for the kids because we want to make sure Ronnie would give back to the fans, and we want to make sure everybody comes and has a fun time. Asked if the gala would include any live performances. Wendy said, oh, fuck me, here we go. Fingers crossed. I think so. We're just getting that together right now, but I'm sure there will be. Please, please, please do not, do not be Ronnie James Dio. Please. Fucking hell. Please. Anyway. Um, we've got some stuff here. A few months after his death, MTV announced a new book. Right, okay. Wendy is currently working with legendary rock journalist Mick Wall on the long-anticipated autobiography from the heavy metal master. Well, there you go. That should be fucking amazing. Um, I won't be going because it's in Hollywood, which is a little bit far for me. But uh, I don't know if you know if you guys get together, all club together. Um, you know, I'm sure you could uh, find the money for a plane ticket for me. Get your fucking acts together, yeah? I want to go. You want me to go, or you should want me to go. So, you know, get cracking. Um, so, yeah, a, a few uh, a few old, oldies and goldies coming up there um, on um, uh, from the heavy metal news. Another classic was that K.K. Downing it has high hopes of playing with Judas Priest at their Rock Hall um, in, uh, in, induction. I nearly said initiation. That sounds really weird. That sounds like, like you know, the band would turn up and, uh, you know, just get fucking hazed by everybody. Um, so, um, uh, yeah. Well, KK, you must be the only person that is confident of you playing with Judas Priest at the Rock Hall. Um, frankly, all you've done is go on and on and on about what a pack of cocks they all are. So... I don't know. I I just I can't see it happening myself. Can't see it happening. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. Who knows? Um, uh, what else have been doing? Oh, uh, I went to see S and M two. Yeah. So um, quick review. S and M two. Um, loved S and M one. It's one of my favourite things uh, Metallica have ever done. So I guess you know. You've got to be a fan of the S&Ms to start with if you're going to find it interesting. S&M 2, really enjoyed it. Um, it was... It, it's not S&M 1. Not as good as S&M 1, in my opinion. Why? Because Michael Kamen. That's why. Some of the new arrangements, not as cool as uh, Michael Kamen's. Um, some cool bits and pieces. Just very different. You know, it's not S&M 1 just done again it is you know they've tried some different stuff there's a bit where the band play along with the orchestra which is a bit naff there's a bit where the orchestra just play on their own which is just fine but you kind of get the feeling that well yeah i didn't really come for this um when that's going on uh james does um the unforgiven three on his own with no band not even a guitar which is um which is quite cool he, he becomes the master of not knowing what to do with his hands uh, uh, on that song which is totally understandable 
Um, but uh, it is still quite amusing. Um, and uh, a really strong end, really, really strong ending bunch of songs. Um, and an awesome appearance by a dude who does a tribute to Cliff Burton. Sorry, can't remember his name. I probably should do, but I can't. So what's what? Didn't make a note of that. Who makes a note of like the dumb shit Rob Rob Flynn has been saying, and then forgets to make a note about the guy who did the awesome bass solo in S and M? I tell you who. This guy. This cock right here. This fucking idiot. The guy whose podcast this is is a fucking dick. Sorry about that. Um. So, uh, so yeah, all in all, um, it was enjoyable. I'm glad I went, saw it at the cinema, etc. I'm probably more excited about a remastered um, version of the original S&M than I am a Blu-ray coming out of the new S&M. I really, really, really would like to, to get the original S&M. So if somebody could make that happen, that'd be great. So what else has been going on? Um, I've been listening to some really cool stuff. Uh, but I've got a funny feeling that you guys are not going to be very impressed. Um, uh, the album I'm listening to at the moment, which I'm, re- I'm really loving, is Corn, um, The Nothing. Um, it's just a complete and total refer- return to form. Now, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, what do you mean return to form? They've always been shit. Then, probably not going to make any difference with a new album to you. But anybody who's ever liked anything that Corn have done, I would suggest get your ears around the nothing there is some fucking brilliant songs on it massive choruses the vocals are superb he's really done a great job um and yeah this it's it is really does harks back to greater times um cannot fault it even my 83 year old mother i played it to her when she came to stay recently and she thought it was fucking great so there you go um, no one's allowed to disagree with my mum. So if she can fucking get her head around a bit of new metal, then some of you fucking, I'm not listening to it because it's new metal and it, it destroyed heavy metal and it made metal go shit for a while and I didn't like it. So, oh, they're not 50-year-old men playing with long hair, singing about how cool fucking trees are. No, they're not. But, you know, open your fucking ears and just listen to some decent tunes. That's what I've got to say. What else have I got? Well, um, an album that came out a long time ago. Well, a long time ago, beginning of the year. It's definitely going to be in my top albums of the year. Exuma, Hostile Defiance. Track the motherfucker down on CD. Decided to, uh, to to get that on CD. Very happy indeed. Sounds amazing. Absolutely blew me away the other day when I stuck it on in the house. Fucking hell. What a piece of awesomeness that is. Um, so I just thought I'd go on about that again because it is a bit of a favourite. And um, this year's been a strong year. I've got some really, really cool albums that, have, that I've discovered this year. And um, I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's Exuma, there's Dream Theater, there's Candlemas. There's Tool, there's Corn, there's uh, He Is Legend, um, there's Exorder, which is, is, is I'm liking more and more. Slipknot, I'm liking more and more, but still not enough songs. But of course, album of the year so far, Acid Rain, The Age of Entitlement. Oh, come on, you didn't see that coming, really? You fucking idiot. Um, of course, that's going to be my favourite album of the year so far, because it's me. Um... So anyway, look, I think I've uh, I think I've jibber jabbered here um, just about enough. Um, it's time to go into the um, the the podcast proper. So um, what are we going to actually? Do you know what? Just before I do, no, I will do because otherwise it's annoying, isn't it? Because if I say I'm going to do it, and then you go off and do something else, and then you start, sat there going, "For fuck's sake, you're going to do the interview?" Okay, I'm going to do the interview. Go do it now. All right. Okay. First up, somebody who can speak more than me here. Is Dave Alefson 
of or Dave Elefson or is it Dave Elefson? I don't know. For some reason, since I interviewed him, I've started calling him Dave Elefson. But I've always called him Dave Elefson previously up to that. So I don't know. I don't know what that's all about. Don't know. But um, boy, can this guy talk? Um, we had a we had a right old chat, and um, here it is: Dave Elefson or Dave Elefson of Megadeth on the Bollercast. Hi, Dave. How you doing, ma'am? I'm I'm good. Sorry about the uh, sorry about the whole running late thing. Very rude of me. I'm very unprofessional. Okay, no worries. Hang on one second. I want to get my headphones. Hold on one second. Okay. <clears throat> All right. How's that? Uh, that's much better. Um, you sound just like you do in all your other interviews that I've ever seen. That's definitely you. That's not. That is not a Dave Lefson imposter. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. I bet. I bet you wish you had one right now, though. With with all these interviews, you got it. You got. You'd be lovely to have a stand-in, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's okay, man. It's all. It's all part of the game, you know. So. Uh, but uh, it's all good, man. Yeah, I know. It's um. It, it's it, and it's good to have, isn't it? The you know uh, when when there's people interested. I mean, you know. Because if our people aren't interested, then that's basically the worst possible outcome. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, I, uh, you know, that's kind of the overarching story of my book is I said no a couple times and the phone stopped ringing real quick. You keep saying yes and the phone keeps ringing. That's sort of the, that's sort of the goal, not just in music, but in life, period, you know. Absolutely. Um I mean, is it, to, to what extent do you look at the book as a kind of like, well, you know, here's here's how here's how I get through the day. You know, if you could take something away from this, cool. You know, or you're just kind of sharing your experience. Well, I think that to write a book, it just sort of divulge your 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 inner demons, or to sort of expunge yourself from hearsay and or to maybe you know to just boast look at me look at me those are all just very self-serving purposes and and you know my uh, the, the books that i've written two memoirs now and a, and a music business how-to book you know these these have never been you know books to sort of quote-unquote set the record straight um and i know some people need to write books for that purpose because the book is a is a voice it's a big voice and, um, and for a lot of artists, you know, they're, uh, maybe they've been, you know, intentionally a little unavailable to the public because let's face it, that is part of what we're selling here is the rock star dream. And, um, I think in this day and age of social media, when you're just always available all the time, it's, um, it's cool. And I think it's the culture we live in. And I think it's kind of expected now that, um, you know, even the biggest celebrities are at least somewhat available to their fans. Um, but at, at the same time, I think a lot of us grew up in an era where, um, you know, keeping a distance from your public was was part of the business strategy. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah. building you know, the so, building so the mystique. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And, and I think there still is something very cool about that. I mean, you know, but at the same time, I think uh, with Megadeth, for sure, we we adapted to the Internet very early on. I mean, Capitol Records built us the very first Megadeth. They built us the very first music website ever called Megadeth Arizona. And we embraced it quickly, especially me and Dave. And, you 
you know, then we acquired Megadeth.com and built out that website. And, you know, so we've had a portal to our fans and been engaged in chat rooms and all kinds of different things right from the very earliest days of the Internet in the music business. So, um, you know, I think for me to write a book, sometimes I go, well, geez, what am I going to write about that hasn't already been on the Internet? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, good but, good luck uh, with that, Dave. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, especially our band. Our, our band has been, <laughs> you know, we seem to be a go-to one of, uh, um, you know, of no end, no end of fodder, you know. But, but, you know, that's also part of the charm of what makes us a real rock and roll band. And, and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be part of a band like that. that um, you know, so I think for me when I write books, in particular the new book, you know, you, at least in my case, you know, it's a lot like writing a, a lot like writing a song in that, you know, you, you, you start by, with little bits, you know, with a song, it's a few riffs, maybe it's a lyric idea, maybe it's a melody, and you sit and you work on it, and eventually it all comes together and you have a composition. Well, a book is very similar in that every chapter is like a song, and the book is like an album. Uh, it's a collection of the chapters, just like an album is a collection of the songs. And um, that's why I think there's always just a continuum to writing books, because, you know, my first memoir, My Life with Death, I put out, and, you know, just, it, I started writing in 2010, but it, it was 2013 by the time it got its street date. You know, this book we wrote, Tom and I wrote this in literally within a few months, um, partly because I kind of knew how to do it, haven't had to been through the process once. Um, well, actually a couple times with books, but certainly the memoir process, I'd just been through it a couple years earlier. And, and quite honestly, there was a lot of stuff to write about. You know, there was uh, a lot of business um, acumen that I've that I've discovered and you know, and I think, you know, that, you know, kind of, okay, well, what's the takeaway? Well, the takeaway, I think, one is just say yes. You know, just say yes. When people call yeah. you, yeah. say yes. They're calling you to hear you say yes. They're not calling you. They're not making the call to hear you say no. They're making the call hoping you're available and you can jump in. Whatever that may be. Maybe it's a date with the opposite sex. Maybe it's, um, well, I shouldn't even say that these days. You know, maybe it's, <laughs> maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a romantic date. Whatever the call is. Just consider saying yes, and said let let it take it let it take you where 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 fate may take it. Yeah, well, I I, I mean I've always been a big fan of it. I've always said like you've, you've and the thing is you've only got to say no once, and then they find someone else and they never come back to you. Yeah, you exactly. Know? And I mean I think in the music business, you know, the jazz musicians always had a saying: you're all, you're only as good as your last gig. And as um, I'm looking at a big four, you know, double platinum plaque on my wall, you know, <laughs> you know, a hundred thousand people in Sofia, Bulgaria. Well, that was an awesome moment. Yeah. You know, that was also, you know, nine. That was almost a decade ago. You know what I mean? So uh, I can't just sit around and go, boy, look, you know, weren't we great then? You know, it's like, well, what have you done today? And, um, <laughs> yeah. and I think that, that, that speaks to the human spirit, too. You know, we wake up every day. It's I've, I've learned to live one day at a time as best I can. Um, and I, I like, you know, I love planning for the future. I love, you know, setting things up. I mean, this week alone, we got the Megadeth Cruise coming up later this week. And then I'm heading over to play with K.K. Downing. And then I'm heading straight into a base solo base story across Europe. And then I'm heading down to South America and, you know, and, and then turning the calendar, Megadeth, Five Finger Death Punch, Bad Wolves Tour. You know what I mean? So I love preparing, um, you know, for these things because 
You know, as humans, we're wired to look forward, and that's why hope is so important to us. If we don't have hope, you know, it's it's it, it, it just like what's the point of living? You know, so we're always aiming toward future things. Yet it's important we keep our our feet firmly planted in today because we execute the plan one day at a time. Yeah. Um, but it certainly sounds like you know what's going on for the next few, uh, probably what, about the next 18 months? Is that your schedule mapped out? Yeah, I mean, you know, we've got, you know, the Megadeth long-range plan is coming into play now, and, and um, you know, which uh, which is great. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's inter- it's been an interesting year, obviously, for me. I mean, we had the Ozzy Osbourne Megadeth tour, which, you know, that went away, Um pretty suddenly in early May and we quickly regrouped and got in the studio to start working on the, the next Megadeth album. And at which point Dave was suddenly, you know, was diagnosed and undergoing um, um, treatment plans for his throat cancer. And you know what I mean? So, but I had a book already scheduled to come out at the end of the Aussie tour. <laughs> so you know, again, I had a book and a this the solo album, Elson Sleeping Giants, that were already in the queue and ready to go. So, you know, part of life is also about adaptability. You know, um, I, I got thrown, you know, thrown a couple of couple of pretty big wobblers this year, and and I've learned over the years to just be resilient and roll with the changes. And and um, while it's great to hope for the best, you also have to sometimes adjust your expectations to to the reality of what the day hands you too. Yeah, well, you've got to remain flexible, haven't you? Otherwise you break. And um, yeah, when those things when those things land, you just got, like you say, you just got to take it on the chin and um, uh, and move on. Because like you say, you can't, you can't stop and think about it and think, oh, you know, you don't, we don't, you don't cry over spilt milk, you mop it up. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah, that's, you know, and I think with, with music these days, um, you know, I've been I've been very blessed to be in a in a you know a group that um, through a lot of hard work and a lot of sacrifice and, and and defying a lot of odds we clawed our way up you know up to the to the to upper ranks. But you know that was a you know now a 36 year overnight success. <laughs> uh, it didn't, you know, good things don't come easy. You know, as I've learned in this life too. And and um, it's staying up you know, there. Think, it's staying up there. That's the that's the hard thing. That's the thing that's gonna that that will kill you. It's staying up there. Like, yeah, I mean that's just it. Is you know, shooting to the top is awesome, but staying at the top is is the real challenge. You know, yeah. like I always tell young bands, look, getting famous is, is the easy part. Making a living at it is 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 the challenge. You well, know, na- you can now do any never, number yeah. of really dumb, ridiculous things and be on the cover of all the magazines, but, you know, but, you know, having some staying power and being able to make a living doing what you enjoy, that's, that's a whole other part of the craft, you know? And, and, um, so, you know, again, I think back to the book, you know, that's what I've talked about is, you know, the things that I'm doing now, um, you know, in my return to Megadeth and, and in just, you know, the recent decade here is, you know, learning learning to just say yes to things and that's landed in a record company a coffee company and you know writing a couple of books and having a solo album out and and um you know now of course this this event that i'm doing with kk downing is just you know it's just super cool i mean just really i think as as friends between he and i and as fellow uh you know artists you know in in the business for you know for many decades um each of us you know 
I'm I'm thrilled that he came out of retirement to take the stage with me. <laughs> well, man, I I mean, it, I I love I love I love hearing the enthusiasm, and and you're quite clearly, you know, absolutely having a whale of a time at the moment, and um, f- you know, so many new fun adventures. You know, you really. Uh, De- Dave Alefson from Megadeth really doesn't really doesn't do you justice. It sounds like you need a much bigger title. Well, I think you know. I think at some point, you know, what I saw is you know in two thousand two when Megadeth had had come to an end and 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 uh, you know Dave walked away from the band and essentially we disbanded. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's one of those feelings that you. I think everybody who's in a in a big successful group. You fear that day coming because, you know, not very many bands are set up in a way where they're devoid of the personality and it only stands on the music and the show. Um, there's very few. I mean, that's kind of how they put together, you know, Broadway musicals and things like that, where, you know, there's always a star, but it's big, it's bigger than the star. Well, in these rock bands that we have, they're very personality driven, you know, and, and one or two personalities walk away. It's over. You know, and so what I saw as a, you know, a day, an imp- a day of impending doom that I always felt may happen, finally happened. And when it happened, you know, I, I had kind of two feelings. One was, thank God that's over, you know, because it was so much work, you know, but yeah. that, and that, that was just a temporary feeling like, oh, my God, thank God the pressure's off. Yeah. Followed yeah. immediately by, holy shit, how am I going to pay for my wife? You know, yeah. Um, one of those be careful. Of it. And, what, yeah. Got and, and I think. You know, the, you know, you, we all go through those emotions. You know what I mean? Because we work, and I think if you're in any business, you're like that. But you know, um, as as things moved along, I, I realized, you know, here I am in my mid 30s at the time, raising a young family, um, having to work very hard to um, kind of recorrect the course of my life and pay my bills and everything else that I needed to do. <clears throat> I was I was okay to step away. You know, in a weird way, Megadeth going away allowed me to, to really just become my own man. And um, and I think, you know, being back in Megadeth again, you know, I, I can... It, it's important, I think, that everybody in a group have their own identity and that, that, that they are able to stand on their own two feet, you know? And, and I see... Um, I see members of bands that they've kind of just been known for doing that one thing and maybe haven't stepped out musically to do other things. And I can only imagine the frustration because, um, um, you know, I've gotten to know a lot of the other friends who have gone out and done other things, whether it be Doyle, David Lombardo, um, you know, Bruce Dickinson and Adrian Smith had a season away from Iron Maiden, and, you know, they actually opened for Megadeth on some shows uh, a couple of, in Poland and Greece when they were in that season of their lives, and, and um you know, it, it's like then we come back to our main bands that we're known for, and, and we we actually bring strength back. And it's like our bands then become even bigger uh, than they were before. And um, and so I think sometimes that season out in the wilderness to sort of find who you are, um, when it's forced upon you, as it was for me, through a series of circumstances there back in 2002, um, that 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 season before I returned back to Megadeth in 2010 was one of incredible growth for me, um, and really and, and also realizing that you know what it's going to be okay you know and um, you know the good Lord always provides a way you know when there seems no other way <laughs> there always seems to be a path and um, I think those are the things that I've talked pretty uh, openly about in my two memoirs and and I think more life. 
death really exemplifies the actions that I've taken and, and, the, and some very productive results that have come out of that. And it, well, it sounds like going back to the band, you were you were in a much better place than than you'd actually ever been in in it before. That breakaway had had actually done you a lot of good. Yeah, and I think it did Dave good. You know, Dave got to recorrect Megadeth to be what he wanted it to be, and not always, you know, having to, you know, listen to you know advisors and managers and people that I think he was getting frustrated with. So it's interesting how sometimes you get a little breakaway, and everybody kind of finds their own way, and then. In our case, we came back together. We came back together better friends, better better uh, artists, musicians. And, and and I think, you know, we, we kind of understood the roles that we each play maybe a little better. Um, and um, so it, it, it turned out to be, you know, in hindsight, probably the best thing for all of us. Yeah, and, and it's... I mean that that whole that whole situation is kind of weird. Being seventeen years ago, it's almost um, it's almost like a, a chapter of the band's history that is that that's forgotten. But it was. I mean, it's only really documented in in in, in Dave's book. Did you or, or did you cover it in yours as well? Because I, I haven't had a chance to read yours yet. I did. I did. I covered it, especially in my first memoir. But you know, I think in in my life with death, you know, in two thousand thirteen, it was but more of a bigger celebration of me coming back to the band that was focused on and, and sort of the season away um, was probably, you know, it kind of, I think intentionally minimized a bit because it was sort of like, well, look, that happened, not denying it, but you know, through it, I learned a bunch of lessons and now we're back together and bigger and stronger than ever. And onward we move, you know, um, I think that was the general spirit of it. And I think in more life with death, um, it's, it really speaks more to like, you know, look, all these lessons I learned in the previous decade, I've really put them into action now in this decade, and and as a result, all sorts of really cool, fun, productive, and I'd like to think beneficial contributions back to life and to the to our business and, and to the fans um, are the result of what this decade has brought. Because again, you know, it's one thing to just stand there and go, look at me, look at me, look at I did, look at I did, and that's just all very self-serving to me. I'm into these books and then all the things that I do. I go, okay. Who's going to benefit from this? You know, if having a record company only benefits me, well, now I've pretty much gone to the other side of everything we artists ever stood for. You know, but if I have a record company that's going to benefit my friends and it's going to help artists have a have an opportunity and get in the game, and we can lift them up and help rebuild some things or build new new bridges, new ventures for them, then then that to me is a is a worthwhile venture. Absolutely, absolutely, and and and. It, it's it, it's refreshing to hear you know um an author of um rock and roll memoirs that um that as you say aren't you know aren't all about you know look, look at me look at me and and very and very much positive as opposed to you know um you know maybe uh, you know the 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 darker side of the business as it were yeah, I mean, my, it's funny, when I wrote my first memoir, My Life with Death, I told Joel MacGyver, my co-author, I said, what the hell am I going to write about? It's like, I'm, you know, I'm married, I have kids, I go to church, I quit taking drugs. It's like, that's about as boring of a rock and roll story as you can ever get. <laughs> I said, who's going to buy this book, you know? Um, because let's face it, you know, everyone loves to, to read or watch a good train wreck, you know? And I've, I've intentionally tried to have my life not be a train wreck. 
um, especially since I got sober back in, you know, in 1990. You know, that's been the goal is to have ballast and stability and not be a train wreck yet. Yet these books that what I've seen is most of them that they really focus on the train wreck because obviously that's where the sweet spot of the sales are. Um, but, um, you know, it's, uh, look, we, nobody's life is, is, a is a Cinderella story. We've all gone through some stuff, you know, and I think in these books, what you, what you tend to see is the human, the humanness and, uh, the humanness in, in our celebrities. And, uh, you know, even me, cause I read a lot of them. Um, I read a lot of these books and I enjoy it. I read my, my heroes and stuff. I read their books and I go, wow, we're, we're pretty much the same guy. We all pretty much belong to the same band because we all kind of operate the same. We've all been through similar channels of, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and managers ripping us off, and us not paying attention to the money, and working our asses off, and wondering why we're broke, and then finally we get it together, and we learn the business, and, you know, hopefully we end up on top, you know, um, at the end of the day. I mean, I think ultimately that's, you know, when we tell life's story <clears throat> through, our, through our memoirs, we're, you know, we're hopefully... And I think you have to open yourself up to the humans. If you don't, you're cheating your reader out of what the real uh, focus of a book should be, and that is to to really feel and, and get inside and maybe even live a bit of your own humans. Yeah, and and did did you find the um, do you find book writing and songwriting um, scratch different itches? They're 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 di- you know very different art forms, but must but they both sound re- both sound very rewarding. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, I'm a, I've, I've learned that this, this last, I don't know, dozen years or so, you know, that for me, I really, I'm a communicator, be it through song, interview, writing a book, giving a bass clinic, um, lecturing at a college. Uh, I like to communicate. You know, I like to be sort of a conduit to, to take thoughts and philosophies and life experience and parlay that out to an audience and um to me writing a book is just another version of that in the same way writing a song is a um you know is a version of that as well and i think that the beauty of recorded music is that we um you know years ago before there was recorded music you went to the concert and that was it it was a one shot it was a once in a lifetime experience now through recorded music we get to relive that performance over and over and over again obviously into probably infinity so now we have both the recorded version we can listen to in our private time or we can go to a you know concert setting where there's a lot of other people wanting to experience that and i think that's the fun thing that we take away from you know we take away go man you see now i mean i i I saw Kiss in 1977, you know, in February in Minneapolis, and then once in a while I'll meet someone and go, oh, my God, I was at that same show, you know. Are you kidding me? You know what I mean? Now there's there's a thing, oh, my God, we shared that same story together, you know. Um, And I think that's the beauty of of music is it it tickles both the, you know, auditory senses. uh, If you're in the room, probably the the sights, smells, and sounds of rock and roll and – um, you know, whereas with a book, I think what's kind of fun about a book is, you know, <clears throat> you have to sort of, where all I'm doing as an author is painting, painting a picture, trying to give you a, a, a detailed description of the setting. And then it, the, then the reader gets to put themselves in the, in the, in the room, um, of during that particular setting that was happening. And, and to me, I like that, you know, if I read KK Downing's 
when I was in 1976, when I was just a wee lad going, oh my God, he's letting me in the room to be part of something that happened at that moment. And, and I think that's the fun of these rock and roll memoirs. Is a lot, it's, it's very similar to an album. We're letting our audience inside of our sacred, our sacred sphere. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I got to jump on the phone here to another interview here. Oh, um, never mind, Dave. Well, look, it's been it's been an absolute pleasure, man. It really has. Um, yeah. Thanks. Thank you very much for taking the time out. You're welcome, Howard. See you, buddy. Bye. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye. So that's Dave and I having a, a right old chat there. And um, yeah, uh, just let him go. Answer the odd question and then just let Dave go. Um, at the beginning there, uh, apologies about the late... It was... I basically um, something came up and meant I was not going to be able to do this um, do this interview. So um, I told everybody involved, but clearly the message I never actually got through to Dave. Now the weird thing is that the shit that appeared in my life that meant I couldn't do it quickly disappeared, and then so all of a sudden my phone vibrated. I took my phone out, and there's a little wavy there's a little wavy hand in my Skype messaging from Dave uh, from Dave Ellison so it's like right okay uh, I can't really turn that down can I <laughs> it's Dave Ellison going hey dude I'm here I've got so I quickly set my laptop up and, and did the interview um, so that was all cool um, very professional highly professional um, I think it's uh, you you can tell that Dave has had some media training at, um, you know when he was you know in his 20s at major labels and all the rest of it and it's like and by that I mean uh, anyone who keeps bringing, managing to bring you back to the reason for the conversation, like for instance, the yeah, and of course, and then of course, then in the book I wrote, and, and keep coming back to the books and things like that. It's like that—that that is what is. That's when you can tell media training has been had. Where whenever you're talking to anybody, because um, that is usually about making people stick to uh, your agenda, your narrative that you want to communicate and not being drawn off it. Having said that, that's, that's just an observation. It's not a criticism. Um, I really enjoyed um, I really enjoyed chatting with Dave, um, and um, I hope you enjoyed listening to me chatting to Dave. So what else has been happening? I, had to, I, I didn't put this at the top, but I've got to tell you guys. Um, I'm recording this on a Sunday. On Friday, two days ago, I was at the Prince Charles um, Cinema in Leicester Square for a screening of... Um, the comic strip bad news and more bad news and afterwards um i had the honor of hosting a q and a with nigel planer brackets neil from the young ones and peter richardson brackets main man from uh the uh, the, the whole uh comedy crew that is um, those guys. I mean, he was like one of the major producers. He's ob- obviously in a lot of the comic strip presents. He he still runs the comic strip presents. Um, you'd recognise his face, okay? But basically, that's Den, the bass player, and Spider, the drummer from Bad News. Um, I got to stand on stage and host the Q and A. It was absolutely wonderful. Um, they were both great guys to work with. Really nice, really funny, um, and two of my comedy heroes. And if you're listening to this, and you know you've you've watched bad news even once you know exactly what i'm talking about if you've seen the young ones you know what i'm talking about i'm just absolute comedy fucking legends and funnily enough of course in the middle of um, more bad news the second episode they play donnington 1986 16 year old howard was out there in the crowd um i remember seeing um rick mail side stage and uh and waving to him and him waving back um 
It was uh, it was weird. The audience was really split that day on "Haha, it's bad news" and um, "It's bad news." They shouldn't be on the bill. They're a fucking comedy heavy metal band. Um, let's throw lots of shit at them. Um, it was just yeah. It was it was surreal. Them being stood on stage with them, um, and obviously the you know the young ones, which I've watched since I was a kid. Um, it was just fucking awesome, man. It was so fucking cool. I cannot. I cannot explain how cool it was. Um, I mean, that night, um, it, the, the evening was over quite quickly and, uh, and I, was, I was back home in my flat by about kind of like 9.30. Um, and I was sat here chatting to a mate who's staying over, staying with me at the moment. And I was just like, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe that it actually happened today. Um, and yeah, it was just fucking awesome, guys. Just fucking amazingly awesome. Um, and I'm sure you can tell that by um, uh, by the way I'm by the way I'm speaking because I'm I'm still extremely extremely thrilled. And um, I'll tell you all about our really exciting album launch show um, after the next interview. That's right, it's more about me. Um, but now it's going to be the interview with um, my with my my favourite lounge kitten Zan. Now some of you will remember Zan being on the show about four years ago. It was just before um, the reboot the rebooted Acid Rain lineup had our um, our uh, first photo shoot, and I, I ended up wearing a lounge kittens t shirt. I'm I'm fucking going over old ground because this will all be in the interview. But Zan, of course, was was here just before Acid Rain relaunched, and I'm now having her back on the show as the, as the Lounge Kittens announced their final shows, which are coming up uh, end of this year, beginning of next. Do get along to them if you get a chance. And um, it's been a long old time. It's been four odd years since, um, since we had her on the show. And um, I say we, I don't know why it's my show. Um, it's just great. To, it was great to have her back and a, a weird kind of symmetry, um, as you'll hear. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, the wonderful, wonderful lounge kitten that is Zan. I was thinking, you know, it's it's really bizarre that um, the last time we spoke was just as things, I think, were beginning to kind of blow up for you guys. Um, probably around, well, it was before... I it was before I brought Acid Rain back because I remember you sending me a T-shirt that I could wear, that I wore in our yeah. in our first ever photo shoot. Yeah, I remember. I remember which house I was in last time we spoke. So yeah, it must have been 2014, 2015. Yeah, I know, and it's really weird because we've just put out literally two weeks ago. Put out our first album for twenty nine years, and oh, uh, well, thank you very much. It's taken a little while. Um, and, um, and, and then the first I knew of what was happening with you guys was when you messaged me back (laughs) and I was like, oh my God, this is like the perfect wrong timing, (laughs) if you like. (laughs) Um, yeah. Now I've, I've deliberately stayed away from your Facebook Q and A and, and, and reading too much about, you know, what's, what's going, you know, the reasons behind everything happening. So um, yeah, what basically, you know, was it was it all a mutual thing? Has it been coming? Uh, yes and yes, yeah. It's um, yeah, it's been. I mean, uh, followers, avid followers of the band will know that obviously we we had a fairly quiet um, 2017, and then we we kind of came 
back at the end of last year saying that we're going to, you know, we're going to record new stuff and have another tour and we've got a um, new pledge campaign and all that kind of stuff. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's no, I don't think it's any secret that we've been through the moment a little bit and we've been making some, having some big discussions and doing some real thinking. Um, but, yeah, it's all, it's all mutual and, you know, Freddie we still see each other all the time. We're still working together. We're not finished again. Um, it's just, it's just time, you know. Hello there. Hello, it's um. Oh, you sound much better. Yeah, someone else is saying this <laughs> Oh no, not again. It's died. It's not, it's not really. So, so hopefully this one will be better. <laughs> All right, okay. Well, there, there was a few, there was a few serious dropouts there. So, um, let's keep our fingers crossed. I, I've just realised, have you run, run from another number? Yeah. Right, okay, sorry. I, do you know what? When I answered it and you said, hi, it's Zan, I was thinking, oh, that's strange. You know, I, I, you know, I, I knew it was you, but I've just realised, <laughs> yeah, okay. So you are phoning from a different phone. I am phoning from a different phone, yeah. <laughs> However, it is still you. Brilliant. Okay. Um, so anyway, God, I tell you what, it's, yeah, this interview is turning into a, a something you don't want to carry on with any longer. <laughs> 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 Never mind the band. Bloody hell. Um, so you've got, I mean, obviously... Was it was it something that anyone was any one person kind of bringing it round to a let's have that conversation, or was it or was there just a feeling amongst the three of you that you know it's actually time to sort of have the dreaded conversation? No, it's funny because we always said because when we first started, we thought that um, it would just be we'd just be a novelty for a summer, you know. Yeah. We we, we had no idea what was going to happen, and when all the Limp Bizkit stuff and the Sunnyside stuff happened. We kept saying to each other, oh, let's see how far we can push this over this summer. Ha, 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 isn't that funny? Um, and had no idea that six years later, you know, we'd have all of these fans and, and, and all of this other stuff going on. So so we had always said long the time that we had always thought that the three of us would naturally know when it was time to, to you know, to put it to bed. Um, and, and honestly, not... <laughs> Not, not, not in a sort of like not giving out any of the dirt way. It, that's exactly what happened. We did the last tour. We all went away and had to think about it, and we all just kind of sort of mess, started messaging each other and like, we, we need to have a chat, don't we? And everyone was like, yeah, we need to have a chat. We, we do, and and it was all done. It was all done like that. It was quite a slow process. There's lots of very honest, um, honest talking about things, and 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 then we came to the conclusion that. If it was gonna, if it was gonna finish, then we were gonna finish it on our terms, and not because not everyone had just stopped paying attention. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, and and. It's funny that you say it came after a tour because, you know, touring will do that. It, it'll usually bring into sharp focus for you any kind of stresses or strains pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean. It's... It's every band has its stresses and strains, and obviously financially, we we took a massive hit this year with the pledge music um, kerfuffle, and um, it's you know it's 
But we, I mean, we love being on tour. We love performing and all of that kind of thing. We love hanging out with the fans. But yeah, it just gets to the point. It just got. It just got to the point where it's time. That's yeah, that's literally the best way of describing it. Sure. Well, I understand because with a you know with a job and then the lounge kittens, there's there's basically no room for anything else. No, exactly. You know, Jen's got her choirs, and Timmy actually lives in France now. Um, and so, you know, it's getting, uh, like, you know, uh, uh, strategically, it's getting much more difficult for us all to be in the same place at the same time. And we've just all got other things that we, we want to do. So, you know, it's, it's time. Let's put it to bed. And yeah. that's just how we wanted to just have these final show celebrations as a way of really, like, looking back and being super proud of everything that, that Team Kittens achieved over the years. Because we never thought any of this would happen. Well, I remember, like I said, I remember talking to you right the, you know, towards the beginning of this when it had, it had, you know, you'd you'd had the Limp Biscuit and the Sonosphere stuff, um, but it was very much a case of, yeah, it was the it was early doors and you had no idea where it was going to go, and and I, you know, I think you've done amazingly. Um, I've fo- followed your career from afar, with the occasional message saying, hey, we're playing, <laughs> we're, we're we're playing where you're all from. You must come down and guess. And it's like, no, we don't live there anymore. Um, yeah. Um, best excuse ever, by the way. Acid Rain coming to town. Quick move. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, the biggest, the, big, the biggest lie of, of it all was that we, were, we I think, it was the three of us only lived in Southampton for about the first three months of the band was together, and then oh, somebody right. was away. Somebody had always moved out. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, that that explains a lot. Um, but I um, know. I mean, you did. You know, you, you did amazingly well, and and it's you know it's the it's the end of this. But I mean, do you have any do you have any sort of personal desires to do anything um, musically after this or, or performance wise? What you know? Uh, do you do you have any personal plans? Uh, definitely performance wise. I'm a performer. I've been on stage my whole life, um, and I don't. Yeah, I think that any any real creative. Um, person, you know, you can probably you can get away for a little while without doing the thing that you know creatively drives you. But after a while, you start to turn into a bit of an arse if you don't, don't get uh, yes, the outlet. I have been that so, arse. I have been that arse. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to be. That would be that arse. I mean, I work in I work in music anyway, um, but on the other side of the stage. Um, so I, you know, I get a good feel of, of being at live live events through that. But there's definitely going to be I, I'm, I need I need the performance if something that's inside me. But whether that's music, whether that's theatre, um, I don't know. We, we'll wait and see. I think see what happens. Well, if you ever want to give if you ever want to give stand up a go, then um, you know just. Give me a, just just holler at me, girl, and I'll um I'll, I'll put you through your paces. Oh, amazing! I'm not sure if I'm brave enough to stand up. That's, that's even more work than being in a band, as far as I can <laughs> tell from my comedian friends. Well, well, what I love about doing the two is that, like, you know, with the band, it's like you get an offer or something, and you've got to find. Yeah, I mean, you know, five of us, you've got to find got to get round everybody is everybody available and then going back and you know backwards and forwards and backline and all the rest of it whereas as a comic it's like are you free on this day yes do you want a gig yes mm. job done I, I was talking to my uh our, well the band's very good friend Grant Sharkey who's uh, another Southampton um performer 
the other day and he was you know it's just he he's just he's a solo artist and, and we, were, we were saying oh you know it's so much easier for just one of you <laughs> yes i mean we have it pretty easy with just three of us and we don't have to deal with things like backline so you know, <laughs> that scale it down is my is my <laughs> oh absolutely absolutely well i um like i said i get to i get to sort of have a, a foot in both camps and um and they're both and they're both fun don't get me wrong but there is definitely something about being about coming off stage and going to a dressing room and there's a whole load of you and you get to you get to you know you get that vibe you get to talk about it you get to share the experience that's the one thing about stand-up is it might be it is an amazing high but when you don't share things with other people um they just tend to be a little bit more empty mm, yeah i can see that definitely in fact, that's that's just a, that's a metaphor for my life. I think. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, sorry, 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 Zan. I, I, I don't mean to. Um, I don't mean to get let all me depressed. Get, let me get my little violin out. Hang on. Yeah, yeah, yeah fuck off. <laughs> 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 you can shove your violin. Um, so, what about? Um, I, and I, I, this might come from like nowhere, but what about what about acting? Is that something that's ever interested you? Yeah, I was a professional actor for years. Really? That's uh yeah. I went to drama school in my twenties. Uh, I, I I grew up in the theatre. I was I was almost literally born into it. Right. Um, my parents were big, um, heavily involved in the amateur dramatics world in Southampton. Right. Um, okay. And still are. Um, and so uh, yeah, and so I grew up. My dad, my dad was a lighting designer. Um, so I grew up on. I grew up as a techie, really. And then, um, and then, as I got slightly older, well, I was always sort of foisted onto stage as you know, um, dirty urchin number three or whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've, I, I have been that urchin also. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so, and then eventually, when I when I after I done my A levels, decided that actually I really wanted to go into theatre, and I went to drama school, and then I was a struggling uh, out of work actor for quite a few years. That's where I learned all my admin skills. <laughs> <laughs> where? So I, I was interested. Where, where do you stand on the actor actress thing? I uh, see. I always say I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an actor. I don't believe I don't believe in um, in genderizing it. I think you don't have a doctor and a doctoress. Um, I think you know why why do we have why does some people have two have two names? Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm just. I'm... Yeah, the gender is the gender is irrelevant, really. It's written on your CV as an actor, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'll tell you what. You and my mum should have a chat. She was um, she was a uh, a, a tap and a tap dancer, a tap and ballet teacher, um, and she got heavily involved in sort of amateur dramatics and my, my my sister did. So I was always going to these things, and then of course I ended up getting roped in as well. Um, and like you say, you know, the dirty urchin and things like that. I'm, I like absolutely had that experience myself. Um, and uh, but you and... know what, that that thing, that kind of stuff is great because that teaches you. You learn all about like through osmosis without even knowing you're learning it. You learn about yeah. stagecraft. You learn about you know when when you know how the theatre works, where to stand backstage, when to talk, when not to talk, and all those kinds of things. Just become yeah, an innate ability because you learn them as a, as a child yeah absolutely and it's dead funny because often you know you, you know people say oh you know oh he's a natural and it's like 
No, no one's a natural. Everything's learned, and it's been learned like over many, many years. Um, I mean, like yourself, I've spent most of my life on stage, um, you know, in one capacity or another, and um, uh, I guess it's, I guess it's where I, I, I feel at home. You know, I feel at, at home in front of a crowd. I love the buzz. I don't get nervous, and I, and I, I kind of get the feeling you are maybe, you know, maybe similar to that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I it, it's 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 always been my 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 place in a way. Although although as a child I was incredibly shy, um, and so I didn't push myself forward as much as I, I, I kind of wish I had as a child. But um, but yeah, it's my yeah. I did, there are always days when you get nervous, but it's yeah, it, it's my it's it's my happy place basically. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah absolutely. Same here. You know, there's yeah, when you're up there, there's the you know, there's just nothing you know, there's nothing to fear. I mean, uh, I was chatting to the the guys when we did our album release party on uh, on Friday, and um, we're saying you know, there's like basically there's twenty three shit hours in the day, and, and and one good one. But boy, what a good one it is! Yeah, and that's a really good analogy for being in a band. You know, people people only see the hour or so that you're on stage and think it must be the most magical thing. They don't see the seven hours you have to sit in the van and and the hours of hanging around and like you know it's it's, it's all it's all for that forty five minutes or whatever it is that you actually get to cut out and do the sparkly bit. Yeah, well, a classic example on Friday, I spent um, twenty minutes trying to book parking for our van in a mm. fucking street and my and, and, yeah trying to open the app i opened my app i couldn't remember the password so it stopped working so then yeah. i asked for a password request that didn't arrive so then i rang them up um and i got the three digits on the back of my card wrong because they're smudged and i never use bloody card anymore so it and it was like after all that they then told us how much it was going to cost to park and it was and because we had a diesel van it was like an extra extra and i was like oh god I think it was about 25 minutes, half an hour by the time. I, that, want, you know. I once spent a considerable amount of time doing the same thing in a, in a, in a hostel room in, in Brighton, only to then get a parking ticket. Oh, <laughs> I've done man. it wrong. Oh. I, I literally I was downloading apps, so <laughs> I was getting really cross. I just wanted to go to bed. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, the yeah. be- we, we, we once. Um, uh, we had we were, had a like professional driver with a bus and all the rest of it. Off we go um, over to Dublin, and um, uh, we get up in the morning, wake him up in the bus to let him know that he's been clamped, <laughs> and we've got to and we've got to go. You know, we we it's like well, we need to be on the move in about an hour, so he's got to kind of like ring round, right? Okay, got to pay this, got to pay that. Then they they turn up whenever they feel like it and and unclamp you and. It's just like, well, oh God, yeah. Like you say, it's just all of the stress. This is this is, this is putting people off joining bands or doing anything to do with the music <laughs> business if they're listening to this. No, and that's just that's just touring fast. Don't even get me started on the hours and hours of thankless admin. You know, sitting on your own in front of the computer and like that's actually one of those weird things. You know, go back to what you were saying about being a stand-up and coming off stage and being like, woo, that was oh. No one's here. Yeah. But like the amount of times that I've been, it's just been me sat at, on, on my laptop in my bedroom on my own, putting on something, putting something on sale or launching a video or doing something that's really exciting and just being like, woo, we're 
announced a massive tour today. Like, <laughs> 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 I think everyone thinks that we all live together in like lounge pit and HQ, yeah. and that like it'd be all buzzy and there's you know a whole troop of people having a party every time we announce anything. But it's not. It's usually just me in my bedroom being like, "It's on sale now, guys." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you think. You you know the the I think the average Joe in the street thinks that you know we all live in bandland. And, um, you know, we all live three or four doors away from each other and there's a rehearsal room at the end of the street and at the other end of the street there's a recording studio that costs nothing um, and we all have this... <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, the more I'm talking about it, the more I'm thinking, oh, why can't that be real? I did at one, I did at one point very seriously consider a sort of housing um, uh, idea for touring musicians because one of the big problems that we have when we're on tour quite a lot during the year is that you're paying rent for basically really expensive storage <laughs> for your stuff. Yeah. And I had this whole plan of like, you know, kind of converting a warehouse so that you had these kind of storage, big storage lockers downstairs and then these sort of self-contained units upstairs and then some sort of like communal space and you could have them on a kind of rotation. So it would be like, oh, right, you're off for three months and so-and-so from this band's going to come into that room. You can put your stuff in storage downstairs and then you come back and, you know, it saves you all this money. But I would need considerable fortune in order to put that into uh, any kind of reality. But maybe one day. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's... It, it, I've, I've had a few ideas over the years. Um, none quite as in-depth as that, I have to say. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it is. And it, it is one of those things that, well, like you say, when you're away and you're just thinking, oh, I'm just paying all that money for rent and everything else and, and there's nobody there. Um, and I'm not away long enough to put the whole place on Airbnb and I wouldn't want to do that anyway because I wouldn't trust anyone. And, yeah, it's just... Mm. But it, it's... Um, it, again, all of these things contribute to just kind of bringing things to a head. I totally recognise that, doing loads of stuff, doing loads of admin. I mean, yesterday, I, sp- I spent yesterday basically um, bagging up merch to go to go to the post office today, um, doing the books for the show that we've just done, making sure that everybody who paid anything out f- or on our behalf has all been, has all been paid, set, you know, issuing invoices. all And, and like you say, you know, it's, that is... Basically, yeah, it's it's all for the band, but it could be any business. It's not exactly a it's not exactly a massive buzz sitting in front of your laptop and an Excel spreadsheet. No, exactly, exactly. Oh, yeah, I spent spent some considerable time talking about my spreadsheets recently. <laughs> so that's what it is. Yeah, you could be doing anything. <laughs> yeah, you could be you could be running any business, and 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 of course, the crazy thing is, pretty much any business with the amount of effort that you put in would actually make money if it wasn't the music business. Yeah, well, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's our, unfortunately our lot for being, uh, being these creative people, I suppose. Yes, it is. That is the, um, well, you know, comedy's going the same way. Um, you know, there's less and less clubs around. It's harder and harder to get people to come out. Fees for comedians haven't really changed in about the last 10 years, so they're, you know, nowhere near uh, commensurate with inflation and never mind fuel prices and all the rest of it, you know. So, yeah, I mean, uh, live entertainment in general is definitely, um, you know, whether it's music or whether it's comedy, it's the, the, the real key is just being able to get people out of their houses, just get them away from, you know, their screens and get them out of the house. And it's, and it's, a, it's a battle. It's a real battle. 
Well, I don't know. Don't need to tell you that. You know, you know all about that. Yeah, I mean, we've always we've always been very lucky in that the fans do really come out and support us. And I mean, the fans have been um, unbelievable over the whole pledge music catastrophe and everything like that. And 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 you know, they do they do come out in their gigs even on a rainy Tuesday. But I, yeah, I can see how. It, I mean, it is hard. It's, I mean, I'm I'm literally sat looking out a window at the moment at a rainy London on a rainy Monday night, thinking, no, I don't want to go out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no way. Yeah. No. I. I'm. So what? I mean, what actually happened with Pledge? How how bad was it? Uh, fifteen thousand pounds worth of our friend fans' money didn't didn't make it to us. How that's how bad it was. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they went, um, they went, they were already going under when they encouraged us to take on, to, to start the campaign. Um, and, uh, and, um, yeah, we, our, our lovely fans pledged lots of money and we managed to get a little bit out of pledge and some of our fans have managed to get refunds, um, through their banks and, uh, credit cards. Um, but yeah, basically pledge, pledge went under during our campaign. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was definitely a contributing factor to, you know, it's, it's really hard, as I'm sure you know, to, to put that much effort into something and to, to work that hard and then still have, you know, to be in debt and to not be able to pay the bills and, and, you know, and then once you've paid off everybody that you owed money to then not have any extra money, you know, you haven't got anything to pay your rent with. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, but I mean that is, I mean that would be, well that'd be terminal for a lot of bands, Um, it'd be terminal for us if we lost that kind of money, Um, and um, and through no fault of your own as well, you know, it's it's just, just absolutely sucks, and like you say, so, I mean did that, was that not the beginning of the end, but when that happened, was it just kind of like, right, okay, this is really bringing things into focus now? Um, I think it was more a case of it might have helped us all. It, we might have prolonged it a bit further had we not, you know, had we come out of that tour. Because behind the behind, by the time that the pledge thing became a reality, that we weren't going to see that money. The tour was already booked. The the EP was already recorded. Um, you know, and, and we were in a position where we were like, well, we've made, we've recorded the songs, so we might as well make the CD. And then we have to make the merch because there's no point going on tour if we've got nothing to sell because then we won't make any money um, because that's the only way bands can make money these days. Yep. So then we have to shell out for, for the merch and you know, and we got to the point where we fulfilled our orders through our pledge our pledges because otherwise we would have just been passing the debt back onto the the fans, which didn't seem fair. Um and, you know, like I said, we were so far down the process that we were going to make most of it anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we were just kind of forced to do that. And then that meant that the tour, which should have made us money, and then we then had to use all that money to, to pay off all of the debts, you know, for our sound engineer and, you know, travel and costs, all, those, all the costs and millions of costs. Um, 
and so yeah, probably if we come out of that tour with a you know a bit of money in our pockets and a nice nice nest egg in the in the lounge kitchen bank, then you know we might have been a bit more like woohoo, like maybe we can still do this. But it, but it is only a contributing factor. It's not it's not the whole story. Yeah, sure. Um... But it, well, as you said, you know, it, it, it's it, it ran its course, and you got to do some amazing stuff as well, didn't you? Yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> loads of loads of here. Like I never thought, like none of us ever thought we'd do even half of the stuff that that happened to us. It was it was just you know, it's been a, an amazing amazing journey in so many ways, so many ways. Just you know, from the from the you know the venues that we've got to play, the festivals that we've played at, the people we've met, um, and you know all the fan stories and how you know like especially recently with the sort of mental health stuff that we've been doing, you know, birds of being able to reach out to fans and hear their stories and and, and realise that actually to some people lounge kittens has been a bit of a lifeline and it's you know it's made them laugh through bad times and you know all this kind of stuff is stuff that we never would never have considered. So. Yeah, you, but you. But we were saying this earlier. The girls and I were chatting, and we were saying that actually, those stories coming from the fans are more treasured to us than you know stepping on stage at Wembley or whatever, because that is something that came came totally out of left field that we we were not expecting. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and yeah, the one thing, like you say, you know, you you. You were gonna just ride it for a summer and 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 see how it went and just be you know this novelty act and and you end up being a you know a bona fide band with a following um, that's um, that's gonna miss you as well you know I mean I've I've seen the outpouring on social media and it's you know it's it's really genuine and heartfelt um, and, and you know yeah. and, and and clearly you're gonna be missed. I can't I can't wait to celebrate with them all at the at the shows you know yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, we've got we've got we've still got shows coming up. We've got you know. You have got, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We've got uh, we're supporting Electric Six at Shepherd's Bush Empire uh, at the end of November, which is uh, which is a dream for the three of us because um, there were a couple of venues still on the hit list that we've all really wanted to sing at, and we're going to have sung at all of them by the time we finish Lounge Kids. So that's really happy. That's making me really happy. Well, I'm very um, I'm no. very jealous because a I like Electric Six and b I love Shepherd's Bush Empire and c that's my that's my local venue basically. Is it? It is. So I will. Oh. So I'm going to have to come along and see you guys. Yeah, you should come down. I will. Yeah. I will. And then you know, and then we've got the other shows that there's, there's three final shows at the end of end of February. So um, I think everything else is sold out. Um, and yeah, I and mean, you know, we're going to play some shows, and and all of the fans are going to you know, loads of the fans are travelling, loads of the fans are coming to two or three of the shows, um, and we you know we're going to try and make an effort to hang out with everybody. Um, at each of those shows as well. So, yeah, I can't wait to sort of celebrate with them everything that we've achieved. Because some, some of them have been with us for six years, you know. We've seen us so many times. It's bonkers. Yeah, I know. It's it, when you get to that stage where it's like it, you, they're no longer fans; they're just kind of like they're just people you know because you see them so much, and you know, especially when it's especially when it's the ones who really get what you're doing and they get all the little subtleties and the and the the, the little bits and pieces that that you put in there that you know are going to go over a lot of people's heads, but 
you know, there's there's always that that hardcore who just get everything. Oh, and you know what's lovely about our hardcore fan base is that they are so uh, they're so open and they're so welcoming um, that 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 little hardcore fan base has grown because our you know our, a lot of fans of uh, Loudspeakers fans come to the shows on their own and um, and uh, and we have a whole network of our sort of hard you know our inner circle of fans who will reach out to other people on social media and be like oh I thought you were coming on your own like. This is me. Come and come and stand with me, and we'll be we'll be friends with the gig together. And yeah, now, that's like, awesome. Whole, whole friendship groups that have grown out of people chatting on social media about coming to the shows, and now they all meet up at the shows, and it's all really lovely. And people like it's so nice to see all of that happening because we can see it on social media, um, and, it, and it's great. And yeah, like you say, like some of them, some of them become friends. <laughs> we know them so well now. Yeah, and and you've had a you know you've had an impact on so many people's lives as well as your own. You know you've got all of those wonderful memories, those uh, those achievements, and you know they've they as as a byproduct of that, make, making people happy as well by you know in doing stuff that you love. You so I mean it's it's a lovely it's a lovely position to be in. It really is, um, and um, and I wish you all the best with your remaining shows as well. I'm not surprised they're sold out, and I will do my absolute best to. Um, uh, to get to the Electric Six show in um, in November. It's November the thirtieth, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's a Saturday night. Oh, I've got I've got no excuse unless um, I I get a comedy gig. Um, but if I don't, then I will definitely be there. Um, right. Zan, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's kind of weird the way this has gone, talking at the beginning and then talking towards the end. Um, but um, look, I hope to um, I hope to see you in um, in November. And if I don't, I, I hope our paths cross one day. Thanks. Yeah, no, nice. Kind of circle of life, eh? <laughs> the grand, the grand circle of band life, anyway. Whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've been doing it for years, and I've still got no idea. I think we're all just making this shit up as we go along, aren't we? Is there any other way to do it? I don't think so. I don't think there is. Anyone who says they know what they're doing, that they're fucking lying. Um, yeah man <laughs> alright well look thank you so much for um, uh, for for jumping on the phone straight away as soon as you got in um, so now go and do what you would normally do when you get in and thanks for sparing the time no my, my pleasure I'll speak to you soon ok see ya bye 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 and there you go that was Zan I really want to have her back on the show at some point um, whenever she's got anything up and running um the Lounge Kittens is an amazing story and, and you you know, in case any of you are unaware, go and, go and watch the videos, go and see it, uh, go, listen to the stuff. It's absolutely awesome. And um, yeah, you know, they, 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 they drove it like they stole it. They rode it till the wheels come off. They've achieved so much with the, with the lounge, lounge Kittens. But I just chatting to Zan there, I recognised a lot of things. That that I do for our for, for for our band, which is which is draining, you know, you know, it's no fun of admin and all the rest of it. So, and those of you who um, who signed up to Patreon know probably a lot more what's going on behind the scenes than everyone else. So, um, yeah, there you go. Um, speaking of which, you can get more Bolo Cast for your buck. You can get loads of behind the scenes acid rain stuff if you sign up to patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, spelt as it sounds, patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith. All one word. Check it out. You get your own Bolo 
follow cast every month. Yeah, your own one. Not one that appears here, your own one. Fucking amazing or what? So, um, anyway, yeah, and loads of other free stuff. And there's going to be a little bit more of a tease for that later on where you're going to realise exactly how cool it is being a patron of the Bolocast. So, anyway, um, next up, it's the big one. Not that they haven't been two really cool interviews and that you haven't thought, wow, this is the best podcast I've ever heard and these are some of the best interviews I've ever heard and um, this is just brilliant. Howard, you're a god and, um, you know, keep doing this. Don't ever stop, otherwise um, I'll find it difficult to get through life. No, well, thank, thank you very much. I'm glad that you feel that way. It's great to get that kind of feedback from my own fucking head. Um, so, here we go. It is, like I said... You could call it the big one if I was being disrespectful to everybody else, which I am not for once. I'm not going to be disrespectful. This is the third interview of the podcast. I know that's kind of weird, isn't it? Don't usually have that many guests in one bollocast, but let's do it. eh? Let's fool people into thinking that this is how it is every month. So this is the first one they listen to and they go, oh, wow, that's great. They have loads of interviews. And then they go and listen to another one and they're fucked because it's just me rambling for most of the time. But there you go. That's what this bollocast is. So fuck it. Anywho, let's go. Let's have a chat. This took place just before their show at the Camden Underworld with uh, Exorder. This is the this is an interview taking place inside the Camden Underworld dressing room, a place I've been many times. Um, and I'm, um, I'm I'm chatting to the guys from Exorder. And of course, when I say the guys from Exorder, Exorder, what I mean is Kyle and Vinny. And this is us chatting uh, a little while ago. <laughs> in here. Um, I'll introduce myself. Um, and my, name, my name's Howard. Nice Howard. to meet you. Howard, right, Vinny. Right. Nice to meet you. Um, I, I sing in a UK thrash band called Acid Rain. And I know the name. We're, well, we've, 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 our, our first album for 29 years came out a week after your album for... Oh, y'all beat us. 20, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought we was the shit, man. Fuck. Yeah, but... but, but yeah. Now we got to wait longer. We I know. won the yeah, futility yeah. race. Yeah. Yeah, we got, we got, we got that number 11 in, uh, on, uh, on what, <laughs> the longest gap between studio albums. Wow. Like, number one is like Chuck Berry at 42 years or something like that. So, makes us all look a bit junior. But, um... I've I've spent um, you know we spent a long time split up and I did stand up comedy for twenty years and and now um, and now brought the band back and I've just spent the last few weeks answering the same questions. You that... need a water? Oh, cheers. <laughs> just distribute your water here, guys. Um, yeah, I've spent the last few weeks answering all the same boring <laughs> questions that you've been getting asked sure. for the last. How many weeks, months? That's okay. Yeah. We're getting good at it. Oh yeah, well, it's tough because I'm, I'm not going to ask any of them. Awesome. Because <laughs> um, it's all it's, yeah, it's usually like you know how does it feel to be back and all the rest of it and and, and everything else. Um, but now, like now, now you're on the road. The record's done. I have got to ask about the record because obviously it's your first one in so long. Not as long, <coughs> not as long as some of us, but you know. Um, <laughs> proud, pleased. Relieved? Yes, all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's kind of surreal, you know. It's almost like I know exactly. It's almost like we didn't go through it in a way. It's like it's snapped, and here we are, you know. It, it's because it, everything went so fucking fast. Uh, I don't know, man. It just feels, you know, it, it's definitely gratifying, you know, that we finally, you know, 
accomplished what we set out to do because we tried to do this a few times over the last 27. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, we gave it a good run, but we just couldn't make it happen. So it's, uh, it's like winning a fucking Super Bowl. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Super Bowl of Except without the bonus money. Yeah, yeah we yeah, didn't go yeah. to Disney. Well, except, except with any of the money. Without any of the money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, the, um, the life of a rocker. Exactly, yeah. The, the modern day life of a rocker. Um, but there must be a certain amount as well of, I mean, I'm, I know having gone through it myself where you, you kind of feel like it's a, it's a chance to, um, I don't know, almost like honour your own legacy. You know what I mean? It's like that that you know well, still it, being relevant it's ultimately we're, we're getting the opportunity to finish the job and yeah we, we sadly never got to do that before and uh, it doesn't mean that we're done with this album and riding off into the sunset we we're planning on doing much more uh, especially now that we see people actually give two shits yeah, well that is the big one yeah <laughs> Because I, I mean, a lot of you, well, yeah, I mean, I've been having the same. Well, you're going to be doing what you're touring about, and it's like we, you've got to kind of wait and see how the album's going to be received and and react to it. You know, you know when you when you've been away that long, putting an album out, you can't make plans around it because you don't know how it's going to be received. Sure. Yeah, I mean, we kind of we kind of knew that the the older fans would uh, would stay on board because those are the guys that kept our name alive while we were gone. Um, Finding the, the younger generation, uh, the new generation that's uh, you know coming to existence since we've been out of the game is a whole different ball game, and we're seeing it. Yeah. And that's that's really important to us too. Is we, you know, we guys come up to us all the time, 18 years old, weren't even born when Slaughter in the Vatican came out, just discovered it two days ago, and can't believe it. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's I think it's working out fine. And, yeah, but you're right. It's got to happen. There's no there's no future in you know, a bunch of old men playing to a bunch of old men. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm 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 all about playing with other people's audiences as well. It doesn't just have to be like everybody in the same groove playing the same thing. You know, genre specific. It's great when you can play to each other's audiences. You know, and and it's and it's it's the only way to grow, really. Yeah, everybody's got to get together, and uh, young and old. Well, we're all we're, you know we're all in the same boat, aren't we? That's right. You know, that's we're all t-shirt sellers at the end of the, at the end of the day. It's it's like the uh, the old movies where there's the uh, covered wagon medicine show, uh, you know, snake oil salesman yeah. <laughs> going from oh, dusty town, town to dusty town, fuck a bunch of people <laughs> off and get out of dodge, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, sometimes you get out. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> yeah. you get out. Yeah, but is it? I mean, you know, I don't know what it's been like for you guys. I've I've been amazed when you hear those stories of like, you know, people who weren't born. You know, when you put albums out and they, you know, they they discover it. And because in my mind, when when you when it well, like when you when you quit the band and you stop the band, the band stops there. You carry on with your life. It's no longer a part of you. You're right. completely unaware that. Like whilst that's going on, yeah, there's it, people. You well, know, it's, it's out. It, you know, your music's out there. It's alive, and it's finding people. You release your albums, and then they no longer belong to you. They belong to yeah. everyone. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Just going through that at the moment. Yeah. Being told what your songs are about, which is fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's great when people get it, even like vaguely close. But but it's also kind of cool when people get it. Like hugely, well, not wrong because there's no right and there's no wrong. There's 
just interpretation. Sure, yeah. But um, it's amazing to see how you know people can you know hear something that they might have written from a completely different perspective and apply their own narrative to it and decide that's what it means. Yeah, and really, that's probably the best way to uh, to hand it off is to leave it subject to interpretation because it may have meant something to me when I wrote these words at that time, but it's better to have material that people can relate to for that reason because when someone can listen to it and go, I know what this person is talking about, I know what these guys are saying, it, it, that I think makes it more organic. I think even musically we do it. Um, you know, it, there's so many different elements to what we do. Um, it's, you know, some people think we're death metal, some people think we're a thrash band. So now, you know, with this album, they can't figure us out. And we like it that way. We don't want to just be, you know, we, we want it, that to be left up to interpretation also. And uh, it, and to, to, to what end? I mean, you know, uh, where, where would you put yourselves? I, I would call us the queen of uh, heavy metal. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's what we're aspiring to. Do you, now, he now, looks do you, a lot like Fred. Uh, but I was going to say, do you, mean, do you mean like there's a king and queen, or do you mean the queen? The queen. Yeah, the, the queen. queen. Of, of, Which, of, by the way, I mean, in the, we're in the fucking UK, right? I mean, this is Mecca. This is it, right? This is where it all started. The queen born here, man. I mean, yeah. I mean, y'all got so much to, you know, it's so fucking good to be here. I just had to get that out. Well, no, mate, I, I, I totally agree, because they're one of my favorite all-time bands, and, you know. Yeah. And you know, if you if you're from that era at all, or say that era, they spanned across so many. But when they were in the really like at the height, um, this is, they were just undeniable. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've always said if you if you meet somebody and you say uh, you know, if you meet somebody who doesn't like Queen, they don't like music. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, one of my first favorite bands for sure. I, uh, my sister's friend had left a copy of A Night at the Opera mm. on vinyl at the house, and I might have been in kindergarten. And uh, Get started, yeah. I started listening to it. Like, Whoa, you know, like that's yeah. I had already known Beatles, Led Zeppelin, Bad Company, all that sort of stuff, and it just spoke in a much different language than those bands did. You know, you could hear the influences. Yeah, yeah. But you couldn't peg that band to, into one thing. Yeah, of course it was rock and roll, but man, the, the the array of stuff that they did was just so immense. And and that's me and him. We don't want to make the same album twice. That's pretty much it. And I and I yeah. think that's what kind of Queen was. You know, they they tried to, you know, diversify from song to song, album to album, genre to genre, genre to genre. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You, know? you got take uh, a song, song yeah. like uh, uh, "Lazing on a Sunday Afternoon" or "Good <laughs> Company," and then. Yeah. You, the prophet song in between all of yeah. them is like holy crap white like, man just save me yeah incredible yeah no absolutely and but I guess that, well that's what keeps things that's what keeps you moving you know you can't you, you know you, you, you can't just replicate what you've done in the past you've got to keep challenging yourself sure um, and as as the two you know mainstay original dudes you know you've got three guys three new guys to bully <laughs> <laughs> they take it well though but I'm going to tell you what yeah. On, on this record, man, everybody, all, all the other guys kind of stepped on the side and said, listen, y'all got a lot of material to get off your chest. So we, they allowed us the freedom to, to just do what we had to do. But, man, in the process, I've seen the stuff that they can do, and I'm excited for the next record because uh, 
getting them involved and having their influences. And, you know, because you can see it live, you know, how they interact with us, you know, as a team on the stage. I, I'm interested in seeing how that works out in the studio. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so now, how long, were, how long were you together as a, 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 you know, as a unit before the album? Uh, what, about two years, maybe? Two and a half? Nah, maybe a year and a half. Yeah, because you and I started talking about it late, mid-late 17. Yeah. And we, you had Sasha and Jason working with you in the Year of the Tyrant project, and Marzi and I had begun recording the Heaviest Texas album, so it was kind of like, eh? Yeah, let's. Frank made sense. It just made perfect sense. Yeah. <coughs> and so was that. And so in that time, was that basically you two, um, you two writing the album, and then done as a band, kind of like stress testing the songs and. Yeah. You know. Well, it, to be honest, we didn't. Um, you know, the guys really didn't learn a whole lot of the material um, leading up to the record. You know, we right. uh, we just worked really hard on. I did a lot of pre-production um, in the studio with Dwayne Simino, and um, then we brought Kyle. And, and you know, we were he's got he's got some stuff that he's written back in like you know 2009, uh, back in '98. When we, I mean, "Morning Sun the Skies," the song is literally, literally that old. You know, he wrote his first lyrics to that in '98 or '99. Um, Prolific, dude. Yeah, a, a very large percentage of what he had written and what I had written did end up in the final version of the song. But there's also newer spins on it that that were infused that just fit, and I think ultimately was better for the song. So yeah. uh, we had more pre-production time, <laughs> yeah, on that one than we did for some of the other ones. But at the same time, we uh, we took a lot of the the songs that even that were brand new written for this album within the last year and a half. And he put it together musically and I'd go in the studio and work on it and came out listening to it going, well, what do, what do we think about this? And some of it was really, really good, but just didn't seem like exhorter. So we scratched our heads on it and said, well, why don't we try this, this, this? And we just kind of put a different spin on it. Uh, roughed it up around the edges a little and then it seemed to work so we were kind of on the right track to begin with but it just needed that little oomph to make it exhorter yeah. yeah and is that is that a process of you just bouncing it back yeah yeah like back, and back we bounce it up to people that we trust that love the band people that we I'm, I'm laughing to do exactly the same you do yeah. the same stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah totally but, he, but you do because it's like you know, when it's been a big old chunk of time, you got to... Yeah, well, we didn't want to stray too far from what we were. Yeah. You know, we didn't want to yeah. shock anyone, you know. Um, but you got, but then you got, again, we didn't want to do anything on purpose to fuck ourselves out of playing what we wanted to play, you know. Um, and so, you know, it, t- it took a little took a little time for us to find our wheels, you know, so to speak, yeah. and get back on that, you know. And now it's, the formula is kind of, the machine's running again. Yeah. What, what we're learning is that no matter what you do, you're bound to make someone unhappy. So, right. you know, you, you make changes and people go, well, that's not right. But if we came out and had done a carbon copy of one of the first two albums, people would have been like, see, they haven't grown. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, at that point, we're just like, let's please ourselves first, throw it out there and see what happens. 
Yeah, which is which again is all you can do. You know, you, I mean, because if you, you write stuff for other people, it's never it's never going to be satisfying. That's right. It's never going to give you like that buzz. Right. You know, um, so it has to be for you. And also, I guess you've got you've got to you know you're 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 one foot in. This is the new, you know. This is we, we want to do the old stuff, the songs that have been around for years and knocked into shape. And the newer stuff, it's like we, you kind of got one, one foot in the past, but you, you need one foot in the future as well. You know, you, I said since I came back with my band in 2015, you know, there's no, there's no future in the past. No, you're you, right. You're you, right. You, you've got to be able to say, well, hey, look, yeah, this is this is bits of what you remember, you know, and there's something nice to hold on to there, you know, familiar, but also we're going to take you on a, a bit of a new journey. Well, you know, there's some bands, you know, like the consistency word, you know, because you know if you got a good, if you got something that's working, why fuck with it, you know? I mean, and I get that kind. Of, that's a business model. I get it. You know? <laughs> yeah, it is indeed. You yeah, made popular, it, made popular by ACDC and Slayer. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. I mean, and, and look, it worked like a motherfucker, right? I mean, I, I can't. Oh, I'm yeah. not saying nothing against it, but I, I just I don't think that's for me and him or anybody in this band. I don't think anybody in this thing would want to just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again you know yeah yeah but that's what's exciting as well and seeing you know where 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 it goes yeah. that you know the next album comes around yeah that's right let's like start you talking said, about we, the next album well like <laughs> you said we write the songs yeah. for us yeah we play the shows for the people you know yeah so uh and it's your first time in the UK got to mention it yeah, well, actually, it's oh, the I'm, second time. Uh, well, I was there as well, so... For Bloodstock, you know. yeah. Yeah, yeah but that's so, it for this band. I that, mean, I've been here with a few different bands, but as this entity, this is our second UK show ever. Well, First London. And I, I'm, I, I consider myself having the unique honour of being at both. Um, yeah, Bloodstock was, right, Blood was awesome, man. I know, right, just, that was a, You know, I made it rain with the Voodoo. <laughs> It pulled all the people into the tent. Oh, it could have been luckier. Best thing that could have happened. Honestly, I was, I, I was, I, rem- I remember during your set. No disrespect, but during your set, I was filming some people walking past because it, the rain was so bad and everyone was just leaving, and it just looked like one of those scenes from like Saving Private Ryan or something like that. You know, <laughs> people just like trudging through the mud, you know, and like you know, trying to get anywhere for cover. Um, but yeah, that was that was brilliant. That was and oh, now. One thing I remember from that show is somebody in your band is a Liverpool fan, a Liverpool FC. That's my man over there, ah, Mr. Right, okay. Yes, uh, right. Okay. He loves it, man. Well, I, you know, that's not that's not what you expect to see on stage. No, no. <laughs> um, especially if you know you're not a Liverpool fan. But um, so you you've got London now. Um, what's where, where are the next days? My Manchester. apologies, um, Manchester. Yeah, and then Glasgow. Uh, Glasgow. And then Dublin. So that's we're on a very short run. It's only six shows. We did two in Germany, and that's a big territory to only be doing two shows in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> um, so which 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 were those two? Uh... Uh, we did an, uh, a return show to Essen because we did uh, Turaco Banera last year. So we right. did the club this year, and that was a great show. The place was packed. It's Friday night. Well, that's Essen as well. I mean, that's like, fantastic. That's one of the, the foundation cities. The people in, are all yeah, the right? Yes, they're yeah. incredible. And uh, and we did Way of Darkness Festival in Lichtenfels, which is in Bavaria, and uh, it's a pretty big festival. Uh, I was I, I was not expecting it to be as as large as it was, but it was it was a nice turnout and. 
another good show with a, a very, very hungry German crowd. <laughs> they love metal. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and this is, I guess, this is this is really stuff that you didn't get to do, you know, yeah. before last time. Yeah, yeah. We're we're there's a lot of places we've not seen ever. I mean, even me, I, I've I've still remained fairly active over the years, on and off, and there's still a lot of countries I've just never been to. So, and you know, countries I've been to where I haven't done a whole lot of shows. So, yeah, we're making up for a lot of lost time right now. Yeah, what's happening right now is probably what should have happened in like '93, yeah, '94. You know. Yeah, but you know, sometimes life gets in the way, doesn't it? Well, Absolutely. yeah, we don't, we don't. Uh, we don't like being fucked over, so, you know. Oh, I'm a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so a lot of times we feel like we're getting fucked over, we get pretty boisterous about it, and then, you know, shit happens, you know. Yeah, yeah. Disappear, come back, disappear, come back. But we're here now, man. We, we got all the ducks in a row. We got great management, great label. A lot of great, these fine people sitting behind us uh, on our side, man. So, uh... Yeah, with a little bit of support, this is what can happen. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and was has that all just has that lit, have those cars just fallen into place? Has it just been kind of like good news, good news, good news? Well, and yeah, you know, one person led to another, led to another, and and it kind of all. That's about how it happened, man. It was really a. It, we didn't really try hard, you know. The hardest part was going to him and asking him if he wanted to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> right, that was right. the toughest part of the whole fucking thing. And that wasn't that hard either. The funny thing <laughs> is, it was a much easier answer than you thought you would Yeah, exactly. Oh, right. <laughs> we had that thing going on, did we? So it's you, like, you know, going, God, you know, I, really want, I really want to do it again. Yeah, yeah. And then you think, you know what, I don't really yeah, mind doing yeah. it. But, not? but do not it. actually, you know, and then all of a sudden, one of you make, makes the call. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, uh... Yeah, I was just like, hey, dude, one more time. <laughs> One more. I, I believe uh, the actual wording was if we if we figure out a year and a half from now that we are sitting on a flight to Europe together and we can't stand sitting next to each other, then then it's time to call it quits. <laughs> right. And we right. haven't gotten yeah. there yet. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But that, and that that is part of it as well, isn't it? I mean, it's great. It's great. It's great doing all of this. But it is a you know, it's a particularly demanding you know way of life. And oh, it's out of control. You know, yeah, this, the twenty-three hours you got to fucking endure to get to the one hour a night that you're gonna have on stage is, if, if hey, look, listen, if y'all are listening, don't do this. Okay? <laughs> it's stay in school. Stay in school. <laughs> trust me, you would not like these fucking twenty-three. Most men would shudder at the twenty-three hours that we got to fucking put up with to get to the stage, man. So yeah, it's a big pain in the ass, but. Um, but, but this is why we do it, you know, for that one hour. Uh, well, funnily enough, my uh, my man's tour manager is also my is also my best friend. Um, hence, I made him tour manager. But um, um, he said to me after I, like one of the tours, he was just like, you know, seeing everything that goes on, you know, and being part of everything that goes on. You know, it's like, why do you do it? I just I can't I can't figure it out. It's like because that's because you don't get you don't get that hour fifteen. On stage at the end of the night, you it's get the, the payoff. Yeah, you get the waiting. Yeah, well, that is it's like twenty three hours of foreplay during the day. <laughs> you know, this, you know, I don't you know, know if I can answer why I do it either. I think it's just <laughs> fucking because I know I'm supposed to. Like in yeah, my right, in my yeah, soul, no, I get, in yeah, my yeah, fucking I that, body, yeah, I, yes, yeah, I yeah. know this is where I, where I'm what I'm supposed to be doing with my fucking life. Yeah, you know, there are some nights where 
it takes everything to work up the moxie to just set foot on the stage. And once you're there, it's like muscle memory and you just kick in and then it's fun. But there are days where I'm laying in my bunk going, I'm just <laughs> But I think that's just normal human nature, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'd rather be on my couch with a big bowl of ice cream. Yes. Yeah. At eight o'clock. So much easier. And then at nine o'clock, I'm in bed. Yeah, but it's you know, it's like you know, people are in a relationship. Oh, I'm jealous of you, single people. People are single. I'm jealous of you, people are in a relationship. There you go. You know, it's like you're at home with your bucket of ice cream, going, "Jesus, I wish I was on the fucking road." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. There's that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you're on your own, going, "Yeah, oh, what are we doing?" But it's 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 a whole part of it and for that that hour hour 15 at the end of the day as well when when you're experiencing that to go back to what you were saying there about you know what you know yeah, you're, you're meant to be doing this and there is that time when you're on stage where it's like all time just you know when we were kids man you know yeah, we I think we split up the first you know in 92 I don't I forgot how old I was but, but I was in my 20s and I went off and did a bunch of other shit business and stuff man I went into a lot of things and totally just left all of this behind and uh when jason called me up a few years ago he says man let's do something uh, you know I, I thought about it for a while i was like you know what man if my fucking life ended because i'm fucking getting old you know what i mean if my life ends in 10 years or 20 you know um i, I kind of i want to make sure i'm doing what i wanted to do i wanted to finish my life the way i began it yeah know? Doing what I was supposed to. A few more clothes on, maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, a couple more pounds. uh, (laughs) A little more broken. But exactly, it's like you know. Funnily enough, I've got a lot of friends who um, they use age as an excuse to not do stuff. You know, whereas whereas I'm always saying, whereas no, it's 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 a reason to do stuff, not an excuse to not do stuff. It's like, oh, I'm too old for that. It's like, no, you know, you know, you might think you are, but you know. Well, you know, to be honest, man, I think this shit keeps you young. To be honest, man, feels like you know shit after a few weeks on the road, but you know, you catch your stride. You know, yeah, it's kind of like going to the gym, right? After the first couple of weeks, you you in there, you in your stride, you don't get a sore anymore. You know, vocally, how is it? You, are, you, are you doing all your warm-ups, all your warm-downs? You know what I do? You know what I do? No smoking, lots of water. Um, have you got a light? <laughs> <laughs> um, That's the shit. That, seriously, I, 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 I'm a classically trained singer. I learned warm-ups the whole deal. When I teach people, because I teach kids and adults teach them the warm-ups because that's the protocol that's the way you learn I've got a funny place I've got a funny feeling I know where this is headed but I found that when I worried about all that kind of stuff uh, it would sometimes manifest into actual physical problems and I got to a point where I was just like if I want a beer before I play or if I'm back on smoking I'm just gonna do what I do and it took that, and also I, w- I did a, a cover band gig on Bourbon Street in New Orleans where I was singing six hours a night. So I right, learned right. Okay. what my yeah. threshold is and learned stamina. And uh, yeah. I, I typically don't have too many problems with my voice anymore. Yeah. I mean, if I get really sick with strep throat or something, I'm going to have problems. And then when you're not able to rest... 
that causes problems. But that's the biggest that word right there, rest. A singer's best friend is sleep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not very good at that. <laughs> the guitar player's best thing is weed. <laughs> weed. weed to yeah, it does, yeah, it doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem fair somehow, does it? <laughs> oh well. I'm, I'm jealous. I wish I'd, I had. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing the whole learning new warm-ups and all the rest of it in a moment. And, um, but 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 I think a lot of it as well is. Um, and the older you get, we were talking about it, like you know, being aware of what you can and you can't do. It's, it's literally also it's like how much you move on stage, you know, because it's like well, I don't wanna, I don't want to move during this part of the song, and then I need you know I've got yes, that section. There are sing. sections where you can move more. Yeah. yeah. And if you've got a long part with a lot of rapid singing, you can't go like a spring all over the stage. You kind of need to plant your feet. Now you can. You can do a little bit of this, you know, back and forth, just to make it look like you're doing something. I'm learning that. Yeah. I'm learning that. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was head bobbing left to right for <laughs> podcast listeners. Okay, um, but um, no, you're right. It, and, and but I found it to my you know, to my detriment. It, it is a case of just being, you know, just knowing when you can really cut loose and lose and lose sure. yourself. Yeah. You know, and knowing when you've actually got to be on point and. Yeah, we're a pretty yeah, active yeah. band. I mean, when you see us not moving, just know it's a difficult section of the song. <laughs> True. Well, and, and my band's very much the same, and that's why I probably enjoyed your set of Bloodstock so much, because I always think, I always think, the key, the key to live performance is is movement. Yeah, you know, sure. It's, and, and well, I, like I said, I've done stand-up for 25 years, and a um, great piece of advice, Chris Rock always says, is as a comedian you just keep moving across that stage and said because that way people watch you if you're just stood in one place they can talk to their friends turn around and you're back there again yeah you haven't moved right. but if you keep moving people have to stay literally makes have to stay engaged sense. yeah which of course is like when you're on stage on your own doing stand up which is even more important but when there's a bunch of you you know I've always said about like you know seeing Slipknot live it's like Hey, you know, if you can go watch him for half an hour and then go, you know, it's right, like, right. you know, every, everybody should be doing it's like a riot on stage. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, I, I don't know, I guess it's really like old school kind of thing to say, but I just think it's like everybody should be putting on the right show. I think, I, I think the show now, you might have a band like Rush where they don't need to move because for the love of God, like nobody can do what they're doing anyway. So there's that, but you know, they also have visual art with light shows and stuff so that's something to watch but yeah for bands that can't afford multi thousand dollar light show <laughs> yeah. then yeah, but, you better get off your ass and jam right? but, well Rush get a pass on everything because they're just fucking amazing so sure. um, have you um, um, have you been to the record company offices uh, here in the UK yeah no no but they came to us <laughs> you're alright don't show off <laughs> <laughs> well, we're number 10 here, you know. <laughs> they show up at number 10 now. Really? <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what's really weird? We just got we just got the uh, we just got our we just got our figures today and we're um, and we're, we're number ten in the UK rock chart. Did you oh, take? Yeah, they took our sure. spot. You took our spot. <laughs> Did we? Oh, you oh, oh man! Unless we went up. Yeah, we just, better oh, went up because if not, I'm kicking your ass after this interview. <laughs> I screenshot you right out of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> One to ten. Well, well congratulations. Yes, absolutely, man. That's a hell of a thing, man. Oh, well, I, I was shocked at that number, man, to be honest. You know? Yeah, big time. Big time. 
I mean, uh, well, funnily enough, I was on Amazon and um, certainly on the UK site. If if you if you look at our album, it suggests buying your album. If you go and look at your album, it suggests buying our album. So yeah, I think I think yeah. there's an algorithm there of yeah, people who, yeah. people who are into bands who haven't released stuff for around the 20, 20, it's a sign. 29 year mark. No, right? Yeah. Well, we're coming back strong, guys like us, right? Yeah. Well, you know, be an inspiration to the old cats, man. I, I, I like I, said, I like some of the stories as well. Like you know, some of the some of the stuff you didn't know you were responsible for. You know, like the like you know, the band you meet who go like, oh yeah, you know, we we said you're like, whoa, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's surprising. I didn't, I didn't know we yeah. were responsible for new metal even. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, okay. Look, I wasn't going to mention the p word. <laughs> <laughs> And why? And why would I'm I? I'm a risky you know, guy, man. I poutine. Think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Poutine. You yeah. didn't want to mention poutine. Yeah, don't mention it. Poutine. Um, I thought you. I, I thought you said poutine for a minute. That's Irish potato distilled uh, liquor. Holy don't, shit! Oh, yeah. Don't okay. have any. Well, don't gonna, have any. Well, we'll be there next week. Yeah, well, you, yeah. Later this he week. just said don't have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he's yeah. going to have a whole fifth of it. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. I, I, it's 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 moonshine, isn't it? You know, it's yeah, everyone, everyone's got everyone's got it. But no, I wasn't going to mention the P word. Um, and of course, you're not responsible for new metal. Everybody knows that's called. Well, yeah, true. Uh, it, well, I mean, it, we didn't know we were doing some new thing when we were kids. You know, we didn't set out to create groove metal. As a matter of fact, there was no such term. Yeah, absolutely. You know? um, but you know, I mean, it's a thing, right? So, if, and if we were, you know, had a hand in doing it, you know, with maybe some others. Uh, Cool, you know, but you know, this some good came of it, but I, I think some bad came of it too, you know, and, and I think it stretches into, you know, those much later bands, you know, um, you know, it, some some I like, some I don't like, you know. Yeah, well, it's like when any scene comes around, isn't it? The, 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 it's always going to be the, the founding forefathers of that scene that are the cream of the crop. Well, you know, and then. A yeah, second, I, second wave comes along. Right, that's everything, right? If you get you get a, you know some pioneers in a genre to create something, and then you get bands that come after it and kind of they're the same thing. And it, the further you get along, the derivatives just keep getting weaker and weaker. Yeah, the more diluted it, yeah. it becomes. So, and after a few years, I mean, it happened to Thrash, and the, that's what killed Thrash. Oh yeah, death metal Absolutely. didn't kill Thrash. We killed Thrash. <laughs> Thrash killed Thrash. They well, just too many bands. The bands were getting worse, you know. And it's I've, just I've been saying this for years that, like, you know, death metal didn't kill Thrash. Thrash killed itself. You know, it just failed to innovate. Um, everybody had a ballad. Everybody had a song about Mother Earth and oh, yeah. what we're we gonna do. You know, and, I mean, you know, guilty. Thrash started caring. That was a problem. <laughs> Thrash don't care. <laughs> but, it, it, but it was it's like it, it was. It just completely and totally. Um, you know, it was it was failing to innovate. It was eating itself, and then you had death metal coming along, which was just like there just didn't be any fucking rules whatsoever. Yeah. You know, and that was just kind of it didn't kill it. It's it what just, thrash used to be. Yes, it, it just yeah it, yeah it just showed thrash up for what it was, which is raw time, and full just, of heart. You know, yeah. and then yeah, so you get your, your pioneers always, you know, hang around and they're always going to stand the test of time when it comes to a scene but then yes those more diluted sort of second tier second division bands come along and kind of ultimately spoil it for everybody they yeah. all get a major <laughs> they all get a major record label and then you know right. disappointing sales and then everybody starts binning all of the acts off completely 
This is, this is cheerful, isn't it? We've got... <laughs> well, yeah, this got well, really that, ugly. It didn't it? Yeah, yeah. That, that escalated rather quickly. It's just like a late night, <laughs> late night party that's gone on too long. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> the conversations. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 So we, it's um, but uh, well, look, you've 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 made it. That's that's all that matters, really. Um, and uh, and. For a lot of people, I mean, all that when when you're seeing and hearing all of that Pantera bollocks when there's when there's no band, isn't that, is, is that like even more frustrating than when you know? Well, you know, if if you were around and you could almost like speak for yourselves and you know. Well, yeah. As far as that's concerned, I mean, you know, some of those cats ain't here to to say their piece, so you know, uh, on that fair so, point, you know, yeah, that's not yeah. fair. No, you're right. You know, and plus we, we got a pretty decent relationship with those guys, so um, you know we, we don't uh, you know we, we would hate to dig up some old bones, you know. Yeah, I, uh, I no don't reason. think about it much at all, really. No, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> not, it's not something that's relevant in your life. Yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. You know, uh, for me, it's like you know, for the love of God, they earned and worked hard for what they did, and I feel like. We deserve our corner in history as well sure. for the things that we've accomplished and are continuing to work on. So, I'd rather focus more on that. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think probably with this new album coming out, uh, it kind of quiets that whole thing down anyway because now there's something new to talk about. Well, especially we... when it's been so universally positive as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm I'm read anything other than like you know. Stellar reviews. We're, we're floored. <laughs> it's so nice, you know. It's all like when's well, the letdown? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Oh well, yeah. When, we, when's the other shoe? When's the other shoe going to drop? Yeah, yeah, we keep yeah. waiting for that, you know, because that's kind of the history, our history, you know. Yeah, but yeah, but it's also. I, I always think that's the mindset of the artist. You know what I mean? There's there's, yeah. there's like those forty nine good reviews. That fiftieth review. You, next time you go to rehearsal, you see that fucking review, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I saw one that. that was like a, it was a strictly a death metal publication. Right. Well, of course they didn't like the album because it's not a death metal album. Yeah. And it's it's got one foot in the thrash genre and another foot in a lot of other things. So I'm okay with, you know, you know, if if, if the the purists give me some grief over it, you know. Well, at least you've got something out for to be given grief about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, if, I'm, if I'm not getting people to like us, man, I, I'd rather, you know, I go the other way and piss them off. And know? for the fans that just aren't getting and embracing the new album the fortunate part of this is those first two albums will always be there for you absolutely and, so, you, and, and you can come along and see songs from them played live yeah, as well because we will never turn our back on that those, yeah. two, those two albums will always have a heavy hand in our set yeah and it's not like we, we plan on getting softer and softer and softer you know what I mean it's, that's not the there's no master plan here we don't know. I mean, what we kind of do because we we I'm into we're into a lot of material for the next one already. But the next one could be slaughter in the Vatican too. You know, uh, who knows? It could be. You, you know, it's not going to be like this one, and it's not yeah. going to be like the other two. You know, so we'll have another chance for them to either like us or dislike us. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and again, that's you know the. When you have that, when you have that um, that legacy, it, it also really helps because ultimately, you know, 
given the way the business is at the moment, coming back with a legacy makes a hell of a difference. You know, sure. Yes. Yeah. It, it, the stock is up, and we've been saying for years now, we're baffled as to why, but every time we reform and get back together, it's bigger than it was before. It's got bigger. And we don't understand why necessarily, but yeah. we're not going to argue with it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, I don't know if it's a thing with you know the way most of society is now, where everything is very it's quick and on demand, and whatever you want, you can have it like that. Yeah. And then when it's something that you can't have, I mean, so we've uh, we've deliberately like not played like two shows in two years because we've been writing the album and just making to sure that everybody who sees the album comes out is like right, you know, we want to get. Out. And you know, we get you know, I'm swear we get more offers when we're not doing anything. Than, than when we are. Yeah, maybe that's seems, it. Maybe the, the, the longer you're going, the, the more they want you. you know? Yeah. Maybe it's that. Who knows? And also, you, you've got you've got that whole you've got that whole wow. I've loved your album for like twenty odd years. Never even had a chance to see. It. I never thought this day would happen. Yeah, you know? I've been hearing Those a lot of that lately. Yeah, well, yeah, that's it. That, and, and again, that is such a it's such a great buzz, isn't sure. it? Sure. Such a great conversation to have. It was yeah, so man. amazing, man. Yeah. To hear that, you know. I had somebody um, I had somebody say to me that they had um, uh, uh, I was responsible for um, three marriages and six children. I was like, that one stopped me in my tracks. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Like, when you when you say responsible for, you know, <laughs> did anyone die? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's funny. Did, so, I, somebody told me a, uh, a story about anal lust that was kind of in the same <laughs> situation. They were inspired to go home and make a baby. Right. Okay. Well, that's not right. how he do well, it. That's what I told yeah, you. Yeah, I'm the wrong hole, bro. I, mean, I, mean, I'm, you know. I was definitely sitting here waiting for like. Right. I'm not quite sure how this all comes together. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. What are they talking about? Um, right. Okay. Look, we've been uh, we've we, we've been we've been going for about 40 minutes. I've I have some fan questions for you. Perfect. Would you be sure. um, Would you be cool with answering some fan questions? Right, Absolutely. Okay. And at that point. That is when I bust out the Patreon questions. Because if you're a member at Patreon, what happens is you find out who I'm interviewing before I go and interview them. You submit your questions and you get them asked and then you get it in your own cast for patrons. Okay, And that's what normally happens. So what I thought I'd do this month is you are now going to hear the Patreon section of the podcast. So I interviewed them for 40 minutes. There's now a further 20 minutes of questions. That's right, another 50% of an interview. That is what you would be getting if you signed up at Patreon. Um, I wanted you to, So I wanted you guys to hear this, because this is the kind of thing that you're missing out on. And so it's kind of you know, free content, and it's kind of um, an advert for... Um, uh, signing up to Patreon. I'll be honest, that's what it is mainly. Um, but it's also a very cool part of the interview and we get to have a chat. And um, and also, as you know, my interviews aren't really sort of question, answer, question, answer. So, you know, we tend to ramble around all over the place. Um, and sometimes that might mean that questions you really want to you really want to hear asked don't get asked. Well, they do, but it usually happens in the Patreon section of the podcast. So, as a special, this month, why not listen? And I have signed this off with all the patrons. They're cool with it okay so with their permission please enjoy the patreon section of the interview with exorder great okay now um we can't promise good answers no but we'll give honest ones well it's that's the thing man we don't choreograph anything you know 
Oh, I know, I know the feeling. I'm barely anything about my band is organised. <laughs> it's just like you do what you do, and uh, and people and people, you know, either get it or they don't. And you know, and you guys know what you're doing, and Not how you, you know. <laughs> right. Okay. Let's not get crazy. Right. Here we go. First question. Um. Right, this is from Carl. Carl says, um, <laughs> right, we've kind of already answered this. How do you feel with about the moniker of groove metal and the endless comparisons of the two Pantera? Shall we say we've already done that and move on? I think it's safe like to, to say we have touched that, but his name is... Carl. Carl. Yeah. Thank you, Carl, for being a visionary. And uh, we <laughs> already answered the question because we knew telepathically that you wanted this question answered. <laughs> you heard it here, for, here, here first, folks. Right, um, this is now um, William Malusa, or that's William Mal USA. Not quite sure, but I think it's William Malusa. Um, so many rock bands are coming back from the grave. On it's, it's a bit offensive. So many, uh, so many rock bands are, are coming back after a while off when there is no money to be made with rock music. Technology made it has made it all easier than before to make and release music. Um, right, I think I've stashed a load of questions together there. First of all, a um, lot of lot of people coming back when there's no music to be made out of it, no money to be made out of it. Um, we kind of touched on that, but it, it's is it back to that? Is it back to that? It's just something that's got to be done yeah yeah I mean let the money work itself out you know uh, eventually I, I think that that works itself out you know we, we, you can't really worry about that you just you just got to do what's on your heart to do and we need to make music and whatever happens after that fucking happens I've recently read in some industry publications that research has shown <laughs> that the fastest growing genre in music right now is heavy metal so, uh, it's a good time to be back from the grave. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking well on it. Uh, um, uh, has technology make it, made it easier uh, than before to make and release music? Holy shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that whole demoing process you were talking about earlier, I mean, yeah. uh, if it's anything like the one we... As if anyone exactly could have what... afforded to do that back then. Ex- yeah, exactly. That was yeah. the demo. The album yeah. was the I'm demo. Gonna, no, no, just bring, just bring a tape recorder to rehearsals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the there's album. the album demos. <laughs> the, the album that we just good. did, would, if, if it was 1994, would probably cost somewhere around, what, three, four hundred thousand. Probably so. You know, because the amount of time where we were in there? At least a month in, just during the f- doing the final recording, not even the pre-production. Right, right. So, yeah, so... Yeah, we did not have that luxury back then. Cheaper, all. easier, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you make a bad album today, shame on you. <laughs> yeah. If you make a yeah. great one, well, you know, you, you can't, can, I don't think you can take all that credit either, you know. Um yeah. Cool. Okay. I think one last question, which again we might touch on. How how is touring now? Um, it's as hard as it's always been. Isn't yeah, it? it don't change. Lots yeah. of ibuprofen. Yeah. Uh, uh, gel or pills or both? <laughs> <laughs> well, I take uh, as needed eight hundred milligrams uh, prescription strength as as my back strength. calls for it because my back is destroyed, but. Um, on a good day, if I'm in good shape, 
and taking my turmeric and glucosamine chondroitin like a good boy, uh, I, I tend to do a lot better. So, so it really just depends on how you slept, uh, how yeah. you stepped off of the the, the bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. I just walked it literally monitor to stage about. 11 months ago I'm still paying for it yeah yeah one one step it, it wasn't it, it. it was like a little tweak at the time nah didn't think anything of it it's yeah. just been kicking my ass ever since yeah no doubt I mean it's it's a much different ball game than it was at 18 19 years old yes. but you know if you I, I do find out I find now that I'm taking better care of myself than I did when I was younger I can get away with it a little more back then but because I'm taking better care of myself, I'm having better performances. Yeah, yeah. I think marijuana and its various derivative <laughs> products. Yes. Uh, is what CBD, etc. Yeah, shit yeah. like that. Yeah, everything. Edibles. Yeah. Well, I've, 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 yeah, I've never, I've never been there. I've never, never I've, been no, there. Not, 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 no, not had a, not had a chance to try edibles. Not certainly. You know, medical grade. I would tell you what, they say weed ain't addictive, but I love a fucking edible. Right. I'll step okay. over my dead mama to get to a fucking cookie. <laughs> you know I love a fucking edible. Right. Great. Good advice. Good advice. Um, uh, we've got another. Um, right, we've got another question. This is from um, Jacob Porch. Jacob says the new album is more of a southern, a southern sounding style um, to it compared to the first two albums for me. Um, did this develop uh, naturally when writing or was this done on purpose for a more modern exorder sound we don't think about things too much we're yeah. far less intelligent than that uh, I think we've established there's yeah. no plan no there's, yeah. no, plan. Yeah. there's no plan whatsoever it, uh, what falls out of him gets handed to me and what falls out of me gets sent back to him and then we just kind of bounce it back and forth until we feel like we've got a good arrangement and uh, quality hooks you know I think it's got, you know, a little bit of a draw, you know, um, on this record, man, you know, with, yeah, I don't really consider it a strictly Southern, you know, kind of a thing, you know. I think the fact that it's got such a heavy New Orleans sound, which really, the true New Orleans sound of the funk bands, like, you know, the Meters, Dr. John, Neville Brothers, the stuff that we grew up listening to, uh... When people think Southern fried music, they're thinking like Leonard Skinner type right. yeah. stuff, and we don't really have a lot of that. That's not to say that we don't we haven't listened to it growing up. It it's got a, I'm sure it's got some kind of influence on us somewhere along the line, but yeah. uh, our Southern influence is more of a New Orleans thing than a like a generalized Southern thing. I think, and I mean, we come by it honestly. We grew up in New Orleans. We grew up with these songs. Yeah. Um, being played to us as babies before we even knew what we were listening to we were listening to it yeah so I mean yeah we're we're gonna we're gonna sound like that at some point you go back to Slaughter in the Vatican it's there too it's just yeah. masked with a death metal production yeah you know? true um okay we've got uh, another question from Jacob um are you are you happy with how the album's gone down after release? Yes. How the album's done? What? How, uh, how, gone how, down. How's it's gone down? How everything's gone down? Oh, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. Uh, we're charting like we've never done before. That's it, right? Number eleven, right? Yeah. Kick his ass. So yeah, we've, we've absolutely. Uh, 
going into uncharted waters for this band for sure and it's a great feeling and it bodes well for the future so um i think at this point it's up to us not to screw it up <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, really yeah no, that feeling yeah yeah absolutely um what are the best and worst things about reforming Worst thing, uh, yeah, because the good stuff's obvious, you know. The the odors that <laughs> develop on a tour bus with fifteen men after five weeks are uh, are truly unpleasant. Yeah, I think that's like a a real time learning experience. You know, we we get out there and uh, you know about two weeks into it, it's like, dude, is your ass hurt right now? You know, my ass is killing me, you know. And it's like, oh, well, I remember, yeah. When we were kids, my ass used to hurt. <laughs> you know? when, when you can't find your socks because they've run off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, we're throwing the socks. We got smarter now. We throw the socks gonna, away. I was going to say, you've got a sock, thief, got a sock thief in the band. What's going yeah. on here? That's, uh, um, they, uh, they, it's kind of like reanimation of, of the dead. <laughs> 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 they just kind of gain their own personality and take off well um, uh, m- uh, m- moving on from the uh, the great sock rebellion um, we've got um, uh, he, he finishes off by saying I'm really happy you guys are back I never thought I would see the day so, we actually never said what's the best part that's like the worst part oh we the didn't so part. the no, best yes. part is obviously whether it's a crowd of 75 people on a Tuesday night in you know pigs rump New Nebraska, <laughs> uh, or you're back <coughs> to three thousand people at a festival. Uh, the look yeah. on people's faces and what they have to say afterward, and how much it means to them. Last year we played Download Madrid, and this young guy—he couldn't have been any more than twenty-three years old. Uh, we went out after the show, shaking hands and talking to people, and he came up and he started to try to speak, and he could not speak and he just instantly started crying so I just gave him a big old dad hug and pulled him in and said it's alright what do you say he's sobbing this is a man a grown man sobbing and that's when it transcends it's no longer about us it's got nothing to do with me and him as a person or any of the other guys on stage it's it's about what the music has done for this person in their life and that that's a. It's kind of scary. It's it's a very powerful, sublime feeling to know that something you helped create affected somebody this way. Yeah. And, you know. And you get back to earth too. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You're walking yeah. around the festival grounds, tired and shit. You know, pissed off about something that happened or yesterday or whatever. You're tired. You just want to fucking go home. Out of drink then, tickets. Yeah. You're out of drink <laughs> tickets. You know. You got your fucking shoes yeah. are full of dust and shit. You know. You're fucking filthy. And then the guy walks up and does that, you know, yeah. and it brings you right back down to earth and it makes, it, it gives you the strength to keep going. Yeah, absolutely. It's beautiful. Um, okay, uh, Robbie Maguire. Uh, where, do you in- where do you enjoy touring most of all? He's also said, how has the newer material um, been received by audiences? But obviously we've already done that one. But, sure, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, where do you uh, where do they enjoy touring most of all? So. Decriminalized states. Yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> I love right. Canada, uh, like the West, West Coast. Yeah, West Coast. <laughs> uh, Colorado's awesome. You ever been there? You got to go there, man. Um, love to. 
No, I mean, I, I, you know, we haven't really been to too many different countries. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, uh, so, so. I mean, with that, I mean, you know, like we're here in the UK. I, maybe next week this will be our favorite place. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, really well, I, I just figured it already it already was, but you know, <laughs> um, it seems like, how we're having such a great time. I already time. told you, man. It's like Mecca to me. So, so much great <laughs> shit. I mean, it fucking heavy metal was invented here, man. You know, it's an honor to fucking be here. It's True. like what would what tastes better, a bowl of jambalaya or a plate of sashimi. It just depends on what you're wanting that day, you know, and each day is going to give you a different palate for the taste of whatever it is. And uh, that's the good thing about touring is you get to see so many different things, so many different people and cultures. And, you know, each place is going to have their strong points and their weak points as compared to other places. But... I think that's the most exciting part is just seeing how different everything is and how different people are. It's, yeah. it's really exciting. It's we're lucky. We like so many people never get to see much of anything uh, outside of their hometown, and here we are getting paid to see the dressing rooms all over. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, many the graffiti. Yeah, yeah. The been all over the world, world. and seen jack shit. <laughs> Somebody told me Led Zeppelin was in this room. Yeah? Good. I smelled it. Not tonight. <laughs> yeah. Um, right, uh, next question. Um, all the albums have a uh, big sound, very riff-centred, from the early days at Morris Sound to having Jens Bogren uh, master the latest album. He mastered our album as well. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. why you're number 11. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's why we're number 10. <laughs> 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 Um, oh. But um, <laughs> uh, man, honestly, this is—I uh, d- I didn't realize that. Um, uh, he's awesome, though. Isn't he's it? fantastic. Just, like, he's like, fucking brilliant. Exporting the stems. What? Our, our producer was like, he wants to do what? It's just wow. Yeah, it was yeah. like larger than life. It sounds. Oh, uh, uh, he just said, like, you know, you send me all the stems. I want to get in there and have a walk around. I was like, okay, fine. Yeah. Amazing. Sorry, just slightly detoured there. Um, is the plan and vision from the start to have a big riff-driven sound um, central to the recording? It always is. Uh, I think everything in this in this band is always, you know, just started with the riff. I mean, I, I would write the riff, and Kyle would be inspired by the riff, and he puts his spin on it, and that's and that's it, man. That's how we do it. You know, I don't think we've ever. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we've ever, you know, he's never had never lyrics. It's never started with me. And, right. and when I write my own songs, like when I had Floodgate, I never started with vocals and lyrics. It always starts with the music. Floodgate? Mm. I've fucking seen you in Floodgate. Yeah. Uh, you toured, I'm trying to remember who you supported. I saw you in London. On the Roots tour. There it Bricks, is. Bricks in the Academy. Fucking, I knew I'd seen you somewhere before. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Don't you look familiar? <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing, well, the thing is, I'm I'm originally from a place called Harrogate, and we, for some reason, like we, we we always referred to your band as Harrogate instead of Floodgate. Yeah. We, we were young and crazy. Sure. Right. Right. Um, oh man, that's that's so bizarre. Um, so uh, I've got to really wrap this up very quickly. So. Has it turned out as you planned? I think we said yes. What is the process for writing and recording for an Exorder album? Has the dip method differed from 
the first albums. Well, I think we've obviously established yes, the it's method really, has. It hasn't. It hasn't changed much. Uh-huh. Uh, no. Right. Sorry. When he sits down with a the drummer. They come up with a version. Uh, after I've done my thing, or while I'm doing my thing, sometimes we'll sit down and I'll say, "I need two more measures here, chop two here," and like really, like the arranging part is like. Other right. than writing vocals and lyrics is yeah. where I have a hand in it outside of, of, of yeah. Music. I always yeah. leave everything kind of open bracketed for him to you know so that we can maneuver the song structurally yeah. around his vocals. So so are you are you knocking demos between you about or are you or are you actually getting together and doing that like you know well, in, in, a, in a room together? Well, I'll, no, I'll send him stuff like I like you said I'll get with a drummer and, and record some stuff and then right. give him a right. A okay, so it's right. So you're getting the demo picked, and I'll kind of so give him from, an outline. It's like this is what I'm thinking, you know, as far as you know the, the structure, but it's open, so go. But know? from a technology point of view, obviously, like you know, we were saying back in the day, you, just, you know, you couldn't do that kind of thing. It'd the be most like, you know, important thing rehearsal room. on my end is I get with him and tell him, have him tell me now where <laughs> I. I'm not supposed to say. It. Yeah, let's, yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's get yeah. that out of the way first. Yeah, he, he yeah. entrusts he entrusts me with, you know, the, the 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 musical parts of the song where he's not singing. Yes, I, I tend to kind of realize and know where it needs to be by itself. Clear, know? clear lines. Trust me with that. Clear lines of demarcation. Correct. Clear boundaries. It would absolutely yeah. do be not be here. Controlling <laughs> of me to say, I don't think you should do anything in this song. You should. <laughs> right. Cool. cool. Well, look, guys. Thank you very much for answering um, all of those um, all of those questions from the fans, and uh, and thank you for um, for putting up with me for all that time. It's it been, a, been a pleasure, real pleasure. Thank real you. pleasure. and hopefully we'll uh, hey, so look, hopefully we'll do some some shows together. At that some would point. be in, yeah. Yeah, let's do. We, right. Yeah, why don't we try uh, number three ten days and number together? eleven together <laughs> in one room? Yeah, let's oh, yeah. see. Hey, yeah, number, see, number see eleven and number ten. Let's see who we can knock down at twelve. Yeah, we'll blow the roof off this job. Brilliant, thanks guys. And wasn't that fun? Okay, so that is the kind of thing that you could be contributing to and then hearing every month. Signing up at patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith. That was the Patreon section, but you guys have got to hear it as well. Okay, how cool is that? Don't worry, I'm looking after my patrons. They're still getting lots of cool shit this month. So don't worry about them. I'm sure you don't care. I'm sure you're just thinking about yourself, thinking, oh, that was cool to get to hear to, listen to, but, you know, no way I'm paying fucking $5 a month for that shit. Well, you get loads of other stuff as well. But, hey, just sort of throw it in there so you guys could hear the kind of content. And I really want you to hear that because I just think it's a really cool um, section. But then again, I might be wrong. You might have heard that and gone, eh, yeah, whatever, fuck it, Meh, I'm not bothered. And... That's just life, isn't it? That's people's opinions. They're always different. You can't always tell what people are going to like and what they're not, they're not going to like. But usually, they're not going to like me. So, anyway, um, a, a little trend that, uh, that has, uh, has been happening. We've got, um, we have a new prong song called End of Sanity. That's been released. Um, there is a new carcass song, Under the Scalpel Blade, coming next month. Yeah, that's right. People are releasing songs, one-off songs, individual songs. People say the album is dead. I have to disagree. As somebody who's releasing, who's just released their first album in 29 years, definitely it's... I mean, there's a, a lot of people didn't know we were back. That that has definitely been rammed, rammed home. That's one thing I've found out since the album came out. Not everybody knew we'd been back since 2015. And why would they? The internet is a massive thing. It's very easy to not know stuff, Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I personally, I don't believe the album is, is dead in any way. I think it's still very much alive, but there you go. You've got new songs by, by very cool bands. The, the new, um, the new prong song is, um, uh, it, it's good. It's good. That my only concern about one-off songs coming out is just, it, it, they just kind of get lost. Um, you know, I should know, Planet of the Damned, um, along with, um, uh, the man who became himself. There you go. It's you know, they're they're not all you know they they they're not going to break out into people's worlds necessarily. Um, but that's just that's the way it is. I guess that's the way it is. So what else is going on? A um, uh, lot of a uh, lot of musicians talking about um, Eddie Van Halen's health. And apparently, a lot of people thinking he's nearly dead. Um, he's been appearing in lots of very smiley, very. Um, uh, very small-eyed pictures. He's got very small eyes in them, <laughs> um, uh, but apparently not dead. Those pictures um, pretty much prove it. So you know, anyone thought he was dead, he's not dead. Um, and there you go. Soil work. Soil work. We're going to play in Singapore. Not anymore. That's been cancelled. Um, Corey Taylor has got uh, has got married. Apparently, that's news that us in the metal community now think is worthy of plastering everywhere. And then some of us think it's worthy of plastering comments like, "Oh, well done. Oh, so pleased for you." And yeah, yeah, really, they're really fucking reading your comments on Blabbermouth, aren't they? Fucking hell, sort your life out. Um, uh, and Devil Driver have pulled off the Static X tour. Now, I don't know if that's just because the whole Static X thing is shit and weird, or uh, no, it's not. It's because um, Dev's. Um, uh, wife has been diagnosed with cancer, which is which is bloody horrible. And had him on the uh, on the show once. Some of you may remember that, and he was fucking really very cool, very cool indeed. Um, what else has been coming out? I mean, is this cool or not? Rob Halford with family and friends, new album Celestial. I mean, it's a Christmas album basically, hence the name Celestial. Now, apparently, he just loves Christmas. I mean, I like Christmas. I wouldn't say I love Christmas, you know. And we all know what Christmas is really about. It's really about presence and arguing with your family, eating too much, drinking too much, and at the end of the Christmas period, feeling pretty depressed that you've just done everything that you've done for the last few days, and then boom! Fucking New Year! Bang! Like a fucking right hook to the jaw. Oh, I forgot about you, and yet you come around every year, and you're only a week after Christmas Day. Never mind! Have that! In your face, New Year. That's right, another fucking weekend of getting absolutely battered. And there's no not getting battered. It's New Year's Eve. That's your only job. Get battered. So, basically what I'm saying is, um, getting back to Rob Halford's Christmas album. Yeah, you know what? I'm not going to listen to it, so don't expect a fucking review. Um, I mean, if some of you listen to it, let me know what you think. Um, It's just not happening for me. Um, and followed hot on the heels of Saxon frontman Biff Byford unveils School of Hard Knock solo album details. Um, my 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 view on solo albums has still not changed yet. It'll just be it'll sound vaguely like what you normally do in the band, except not as good because the other guys aren't there to censor you and your ego. So you just get to do whatever you want, and invariably that sounds shit. Um, Bill Ward has uh, released a lyric video for um, his New Day of Errors song, Dark. I mean, Bill Ward, is he relevant anymore? I mean, you know, he didn't make the Sabbath reunion, was going to tour and then heart problems straight away. And 
I don't know, he looks, his, his, his head looks more and more like um, a rubber mask. It kind of looks like, um, I don't know, he looks like a fucking spitting image puppet of himself these days. It's fucking really weird. Hey, there's one for the kids. Spitting image. Go and look that up. <laughs> fucking hell. That's, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's quite an old one. That's quite an old one. Obviously, uh, oh, and uh, of course, uh, baby metal. Yes, how could I not mention baby metal? Um, they become the first Asian act to land a number one album on Billboard's uh, top top rock albums chart. So, North America, you should be fucking ashamed of yourself. Um, metal Galaxy has landed at number one on the Billboard chart. What the fuck are you parents doing out there? Just what are you doing? Why aren't you steering your kids towards really cool heavy music instead of utter fucking bullshit like baby metal? I I do not understand it. This is purely the fault of parents. As a metal parent, if you are listening to this and you had anything to do with allowing this to get to number one in any country, you need to hang your fucking head in fucking shame. You should be done for child abuse. You should have your children taken away from you if you have introduced your children to baby metal. That is how serious I am about this. You should be locked up. You should be on a fucking register. You fucking twats. How dare you do that to your children? They're going to grow up and they're going to look back on baby metal and go, you fucking did that to me. You fucking did that to me. They're going to have it out with you. They're going to take you to court. They're going to get themselves emancipated. And if you want to know what that means, it means divorcing your parents, I think. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe this is a time where I actually, I actually go and um, uh, I actually look up the word emancipated before I make an even bigger, um, uh, here we go, <laughs> uh, even bigger idiot of myself. Emancipated. Freed from slavery or bondage. Not constrained or restricted by custom, tradition, superstition. That's right. Your kids are going to divorce you. They're going to not be constrained or restricted by custom, tradition, superstitions, etc. They're going to be freed from your slavery and or bondage, you shit parent. Fucking hell. I, I mean, is this just old man ranting about some fucking Asian kids who are doing a band? No, it isn't. This is an old man ranting. I'll, I'll grant you that. I'd like to think of myself as middle-aged, but if you want to go with old, I'm not going to fight you. Um, But, you know, seriously, this is a fucking Asian entertainment corporation's bitch. That's, That's all you're becoming when you get into baby metal. You become an Asian entertainment corporation's little bitch. That's what happens, because they put that band together. It's not even a band. Don't know why I'm calling it a band. Not a band. They put that money-making enterprise together, and you're fucking lapping it up. And if you fucking... If you're dripping that poison into your children's ears, you should be ashamed of yourself. There you go. Says the man who's not a parent and never will be. <laughs> so, guys, it's uh, it's coming to the end of the podcast. Normally, everybody goes, oh, it's so great that you listen. Well, fuck that. Can't be bothered. Now, it is great that you listen. I'm l- I'm glad you're here. Otherwise, this would be one man ranting in his front room. It is. Essentially, that is what this is. But, um, you know, you guys are the front line. You are my people. You are the ones that I trust to get this podcast out there. So could you do me a favour? Can you share it as much as possible? Can you tell people that it's around? Because, frankly, I need more listeners. We need to build the fucking Talking Bollocks community. Get on Twitter. Get involved in the fun. Get on the Facebook page. Get involved in the fun the bullshit, whatever. Um, get on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith. 
Um, and, and, you know, experience being a patron. Seriously, there is some very, very fucking cool shit that comes on there. All of the patrons will attest to that. Become part of the, ch- the, the party. And also get offers from podcasts you don't even listen to. That's right, beer52.com forward slash the square ball. That's beer, the number five, the number two, dot com forward slash the square beer. For a free case of beer, you've only got to, cha- you've only got to ch- uh, pay for postage, four ninety five. Then you've got to cancel your subscription, which does mean ringing them up. But hey, who gives a shit? I'll do that for a case of beer for five quid. Well, do that. I did that for a case of beer for five quid. Yes, get in! So, if you want more wonderful offers from podcasts you don't listen to, this is your podcast. This is the one for you. Um, it's been a great, uh, it's been great, lovely chatting to you as always. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed all the extras uh, and all the interviews and all of that other crazy stuff. Follow Talking Bollocks on Twitter, Facebook, um, Tell everybody, subscribe everywhere, and be nice to each other. And I'll chat to you next month. Later. Okay, that was the plan. But you know what? I did mention earlier that I was going to talk a little bit about the um, the Acid Rain album launch show. So here it is at the end of the Bollocast. So if you don't give a fuck, you don't have to listen to this. Um, but um, a couple of weeks ago, had the uh, album launch show at the Boston Music Rooms. It was absolutely fucking fantastic. Thank you to all of you who came along making such a special night. Um, we opened with um, with the new low, and when we got to the first chorus, and suddenly I could hear the crowd over the band singing the chorus. It just blew me away. I almost I almost stopped singing. Um, in fact, I think I did. I was just absolutely, completely and utterly blown away. What um, a strange feeling to have new Acid Rain songs being sung back at me. That's an experience that I haven't had for many, many, many years. Well, 29 to be exact. I mean, people do kind of sing along with The Plan of the Damned and um, uh, The Man Who Came Himself, but The New Low is a whole new... uh, It's a new level. It's a new low. It's a new high, actually, weirdly. Um, But it was just... It was amazing. It really was. Seeing so many people who turned out from all different parts of the country to support us, to be there at that special show, was just amazing. It really was. People bought albums, they bought they bought, they bought, bought LPs, they bought CDs, they bought posters, they bought T-shirts. Thank you all for all of your support. Um, loads of people wanted stuff signing, um, which was very, very cool. Um, and it was actually because it, it was a lot of people wanted stuff signing as opposed to wanting um, selfies. And it's usually obviously the opposite way around now, you know, for for every, for every one autograph I might sign, I'll probably do about seven or eight selfies. Um, so for it to be switched around like that, it was really cool. Um, the whole night was great. Shrapnel were great. Um we had one dickhead who kept getting up and stage diving and it, it was by the end we were just kicking him off and um, even the crowd tried to drag him off and take him so far away he couldn't fucking get on stage again because he was just a pain in the hole. But um, uh, other than him, I mean, everybody, everything was so cool. But it was just a wonderful experience. It really, really was. I can't, I just can't say enough about it. It was amazing. 
and um to have that kind of thing after all these years first album in 29 years and to do a show like that was amazing and just made me look forward to the um december shows we've got coming up even more first night is in scarborough with with diamond head i know scarborough diamond head december sounds strange to me can't wait for it following night um we're in audio glasgow that would be um december the 6th i think okay this is me just genuinely i don't normally do this on the uh, on the volocast but this is me genuinely plugging my wares so it's thursday the 5th in scarborough with diamond head 6th is audio in glasgow um which will probably sell out that's the friday so get your tickets 7th is um uh is it dublin or belfast oh that's fucking really annoying um okay so um Seventh is um, Dublin. There we go. Seventh is Dublin. Eighth is Belfast. So, anyway, uh, kind of digress, but, you know, that's what I do. I go off on tangents. ADHD, what can I tell you? Um, so, yeah, it's just been amazing. It's, that that show was, without doubt, right up there in the, in the top ever Acid Rain shows. Just fucking blew me away so much. Couldn't get the smile. Could not get the smile off my face for a good couple of days. Um, and uh, yeah, and you can hear me, you, you can probably hear the smile on my face now just talking about it because that's the kind of effect that it has. Anyway, uh, that's all I've got to say on that. Thank you very much, guys. Just wanted to make sure that I uh, did some housekeeping, made sure that I did, you know, get that bit in there because I'd say I was going to talk about it and then I didn't. So there, now I have. There you go. Um, thank you very much. Catch you later. <laughs>